Today's episode of Slot Shot Podcast is brought to you by Uncle Dano's Single Jug Lot Hooch. Were you a little too sober entering your last bluegrass festival? Did you wake up naked next to a river not feeling sick enough? Uncle Dano's Single Jug Lot Hooch can get you out of those kinds of jams and into the right kind of jams. Just like improvisational jam music concerts, no two jugs of Uncle Dano's Hooch are exactly the same. For the right kind of Maybe I should reach for that cop's sidearm energy. Pick up a jug of Uncle Dano's Lot Hooch. Uncle Dano's Lot Hooch. It's all one song. Welcome back to Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. We're back in the studio, back again for another week in the National. It's going global, so we've got global stuff to talk about. We've got a, a coaching change to talk about, the first of the year, and much more on tonight's uh, agenda as we pick back up on, on Wednesdays where uh, we apologize for that, but we'll be posting always Thursday morning from here on out. Um, Thanksgiving plans to be determined. We will uh, we'll get there. Boys, the breaking news of the weekend Jay Woodcroft out, Chris Knobloch in, McDavid's former junior coach, a guy that McDavid's former agent, who's now the pretty much GM to step into this situation, a guy he's talked about for a long time, steps into this Oilers locker room with actually Paul Coffey in, in there as well um, to kind of right the ship of what this Oilers uh, disaster has been. You know, yes, fresh off of two wins at this point after defeating the Islanders uh, most recently, and then also defeating, uh, who was it? Um, uh, Kraken. Kraken, yep. Thank you for my Saturday's pick. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, you know, we've talked a lot about it. We've talked about their sluggish start. You know, it, it's important years with, with McDavid and Dreisaitl becoming free agents in, in the near future. Um, the clear and cut sign is, you know, Edmonton is trying to keep Connor happy, and it's the Connor show, you know. You got uh, Ken Holland, who was who was kind of saying he talked to all the players, and then you got Jackson, who who says no, this was an internal discussion. So I mean, a little bit of a shit show on the on the mic from the Oilers in terms of announcing things, but the Edmonton Oilers go in a different direction. Jay Woodcroft, their highest winning percentage uh, coach in in franchise history, is gone after basically a season and a half. Uh, boys, what do we got? Just one quick thing on the on the press conference they did. And, you know, I, I know obviously, right, like Chicklets is now playing a very pronounced role in hockey media. And the caption there was like two guys saying opposite things. Huh. And I, I just want to call this out because like, you know, locally in Boston, right, we just changed GMs and we've got this nerd coming in. We've been back to back nerds being introduced as new GMs. Um, and the baseball nerd press conference is so orchestrated and obfuscated and full of BS PR business school language that it's really frustrating and it, and it doesn't really say anything and it's useless. It's just a script basically at this point. It, it, you know, it sounds, it sounds like a creative writing class at an Ivy league school cause they all went to Yale. Um, and so then, you know, to juxtapose that with the hockey front offices, right? These are hockey people. These are not polished PR executives. These are all hockey people. And so I think from a PR standpoint, yeah, it wasn't super crisp. And I'm not going to complain about it because, um, you know, I don't think that it was contradictory elements. You had Ken Holland saying that he spoke with the players. 
And then you said, and then you had what the the president saying, you know, they didn't consult the players. And I think that those two things can be true. They definitely had meetings with players as things were going very poorly, and they wanted to meet and get a pulse from all the players. I think that's a standard process, or as they might say, up in Ed- Edmonton, Alberta, process. Um, but I think that's a standard process when when you're you know in trouble like they are. So they meet with the players. They get their notes. Sounds like every single player had Woodcroft's back. They all liked him a lot. I don't think anybody sewered him. I don't think anybody ran him out of town. So I think they did talk to the players. I also think they did not consult the players on who to go after, on asking for recommendations and being that direct with them. I think I think the feedback was more about the play, asking the players what needs to change, how do you think we can improve, those kinds Correct. of things. And I don't think they consulted the players on the search. So I just wanted to make that comment out of the gate. I've got thoughts on the people stepping in um, on the coaching staff and really how that goes. But I just wanted to get that out there off the top because I think for a lot of our termite listeners that are you know following along the national and following a lot of the different talking heads, you know, just because, you know, again, Chicklets, right? One of the leading, one of the leading, probably the leading voice for the common man following the NHL. You know, you could look at that and say, oh my God, what a shit show. They're not on the same page. And I just want to say, let's be grateful that in our sport, we've got hockey people running things and not, you know, Yale nerds. That's fair. You know, I think you're seeing former players step into these roles. You're seeing... Hockey minds, it's different. Sorry, than, Ivy League nerds. No, I don't want to beat up on it's you. It's different. You know, baseball is very analytical, and that's where you're seeing, you know, potentially these these more more book smart personalities in in terms of uh, these positions versus hockey, where it's just you know. And let's let's be grateful and let's cling to this because it would like I bet 10, 15 years from now it'll get nerdier in in NHL front offices, yeah. and I really don't want that to happen. You're but I, I just want younger. You're seeing things. Yeah, things are changing. You know, there, there's no there's no arguing that. But hockey, I think, will always be a little bit a little bit less a little bit less academic well, based on the nature of the sport. Remember Chica, the GM, the old GM? He was kind of like the analytics come up Arizona? guy. Yeah. Arizona? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he flopped out completely. Exactly. Uh, so I think that was a setback for the analytics in hockey. Yep. And, and I just want to make that disclaimer because I would like us to discuss this because I do think it is relevant and there's a lot to hit on. So you guys you guys jump in. Yeah. No, like I said, you know, it's it's McDavid's former junior coach. It's a guy who was with, uh, I think, the Hartford Whalers of the AHL. Uh, that no. would actually be the Hartford Wolfpack. Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, the Rangers minor league team. And the Rangers okayed him Correct. leaving. Correct. And that's, they they could have dug in their heels. As uh, I, I think it was either one of the podcasts that I listened to about it and, and kind of their breakdown, it was, uh, you know, the, the Rangers kind of seeing that Knobloch was, uh, was a – popular figure in terms of the head coaching searches this offseason I think you kind of have to promote him if you don't bring him in and you know they obviously brought in uh Lafayette Lafayette Laviolette Peter Laviolette Laviolette. hold on who looks good no no no, so far so good did one of you guys pick Oilers and Rangers in the final I did wouldn't it be funny if that's how it's okay that would be pretty wild but um you're kind of seeing the Rangers not halt Knobloch's uh potential progress and uh on his coaching and you know that's what would be interesting to see what happens with uh with Edmonton and, and coming in you know you got to think he has to have a strong year for for that to to last but I think their their plan is to to roll out with Chris Knobloch for for the future but Alex I'm, I'm intrigued and, and ready to hear what you got on this situation yeah I mean I think a lot of people look at this and they're like oh this is like to keep McDavid happy and it's like partly that, but I think it's more so this team is just awful and they're not playing well and they want to win games. And then McDavid came out and he he was essentially like um, the locker room was not lost. 
he he wasn't say like he almost implied that a coaching change wasn't really required. Um, he didn't like give full support. Like oh, he wasn't upset about it. I think he understood what what happened there, but it didn't like I, I think he was at least to the PR and to the public. He was not trying to make it seem like he wanted a coaching change or thought one was necessary. Um, which could just be McDavid and like typical hockey guy, just like not trying to throw anyone under the bus, you know, just like we have to play better. I think he's mature enough to know that like that's really at, at the end of the day what it has to come down to. Um, but I, I think the last two games, they've looked a little bit better. Um, Four, still have immense talent. Yep. 4 1 versus uh, Islanders. And that was before the firing. They, or they let him no, go to the crack. That was his first one, yep. He got, he got the one win. But he got to fired, fired on Sunday. Fired on Sunday. What, what I heard was that the, on Monday. the decision was made that they were going to fire him after the San Jose, San Jose loss. And they let him finish the road trip. Not even that. It was They had to make sure that they could hire Knobloch. They had to make sure that they uh, had. Right. So it wasn't public. It was internal. Mm-hmm. And they said after the Sharks loss, that's it. Just like we saw them kind of mouth reading, walking off the there ice. There were no professional mouth readers. You know, it sounded like uh, no, it was, it was done. It was, it was Woodcroft to Manson. Uh, that that might, might be it. it. And it was Manson to Woodcroft. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, kind and, of a sad sight. It's it the is. business. It's it the is. business. They get it. They know it. Yeah. Well, and you look at McDavid at this point right now. I think he's like at a fifty-something point rate right now. He finally scored his third goal of the season. It's it's just kind of crazy stuff, you know. Drysaddle he scored in this one versus New York. They uh, both added. Uh, I think Drysaddle for his sixth of the year. McDavid, like I said, for the third. They need to get these guys going, but um, I think they looked at it, and you know, the reality is you've got an AHL fourth line, and you've got an OK one and two, and, and a third line that's a fourth line in any other team. Well. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I missed a major prop bet opportunity um, on hammering McDavid and Drysaddle and, and Oilers win in that game. Yeah, um, that was awfully predictable, especially against the Kraken, who are I mean, not. No, he didn't good. score. Aw- he awfully score predictable, but or I guess no, it was the Islander game. Islander. It was Island. Yeah, yeah sorry, it, sorry. The first say, game against the Islanders. We say awfully predictable. They're coming off a loss to the Sharks. Uh, Which like, everyone, I mean, the I night know is I darkest just it. before the dawn, right? You were with true. me watching it. I mean, we were we were full on the Sharks train, and, <laughs> and it was exciting. It was actually. It Did was you guys exciting. watch that Sharks? Oh game? yeah, it was, and it was, I think it we, was were all, cr- we were all dialed it's in. Kind of crazy how much offensive zone possession the Oilers had yep. to do nothing with. Yep. Well, yep. you say do nothing with. So I, I made the juxtaposition of that game. I was tweeting about it, and I sort of caught Whitney's thing at the end of the game after it. Um, but that that game, especially that third period when they were down and like and like really reeling to try to get back into it and like that desperation hockey in the regular season it was really unique it was a unique regular season game because it felt like everybody in that Oilers sweater knew like we need to win this like we cannot lose to these guys and I I, my, my my tweet on it was it felt like a frozen four game between like a last ranked Bemidji State against like a top seeded Minnesota Gophers where like the Gophers come in right undefeated season super super high and they're going against a hot goalie and like a disciplined team and like they're blocking up everything around the front but like they're being dominated but like they're clinging to that one goal lead Um, and they were like the Oilers were completely dominant in that third period and it just wouldn't go like it yeah. just wouldn't go and you had like Hyman on the doorstep you had these setups that were inches away from going in um and I, you know you guys mentioned that they were that they were terrible and that they stunk and i really don't think that the oilers have been that bad that you that there's like a breakdown they had a lot of 40 shot games um the arm talks a lot about right about our shooting percentages and like yeah. they're due for a correction there um and i think that there've definitely been some very clear and obvious like viral clips of especially 
especially Bouchard, um, and, and just some some D zone some D zone breakdowns that have been just so obvious and ugly to pile on. But I but I also just want to say they've gotten terrible goaltending. They've, That's the obvious. Yeah. They've had a they've they've had bad shooting percentages, right? So they've been definitely they've been losing heavily on goalie matchups. And uh, you know the same way we were talking about how great Tockett is and how great Vancouver is, we'll talk at Demko versus Woodcroft in that goalie situation. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's if find me a good coach, I'll find you a hot goalie, and it's sort of find me a coach that's going to get fired, I'll show you a disaster oh. between the pipes. And yes, and I think the the talk had been uh, that they were installing a new defensive system this year, and that's I think a little bit of a of a cause, maybe a cause that you'd like to think of. Of Bouchard looking like he has no defensive sense in the defensive zone at all, but um, it was it was more that the guys weren't picking up on it. And Bieksa did a good kind of breakdown mm-hmm. on one of the hockey night in Canada's there, um, but yeah, it just it wasn't taking. But 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 my point is like like that San Jose game, right? It, that was sort of like a, a summary of this whole first 11, 10 games. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't been making every team look that bad because not every team's that bad. Um, but they they have been, you know, like they, it's, they haven't been terrible. They just haven't been able to outscore their deficiencies, which is really the formula for them to be the team that we think they could be. Well, and that, you know, Nugent Hopkins hasn't gotten going, and that's a whole separate issue. You know, Dreisaitl, the, the uh, Connor McDavid. McJesus I know, I know, going, I right? know, I know, I know. And, um, I'm going to pose uh, a question to you, but uh, Alex, I'm going to let you have any any final thoughts before I pose a little prediction to the boys. Yeah, I, like my issue with this coach firing, not with the coach firing, but like the narrative that's been around it forever is like they're acting like a coach is going to come in and fix this. And yeah, it could get better. There could be some reversal of like un- unluckiness, you know, and they could just play better. You know, McDavid could be fully healthy. A lot of things, this team could still be a playoff team. Like they were dominant last year in the regular season. They're still a good team. But Ken Holland has done a fucking awful job trying to get players on this team. And he has some of the worst contracts in hockey sucked into that roster, including we all know about Darnell Nurse. Jack Campbell's now in here. That's like 15 million bucks down the drain. 14, yeah. 14 down the drain. 14 and change, oh. yeah. and, But like, it, it seems like they continue to let him to make like the new coaching hires, to let him do all these things. And it doesn't seem like he's this, on the hot seat. Really. It's collaborative, this, this was Jeff Jackson's call. This this seemingly seems like the changing. You know, if you listen to, but then to, fire can um, if you're not going to let your well, GM. That's, well, his contract his contract season. ends at the is over at the end of the season. I think the thought process after you know losing to the last two Cup finalists, their thought and hope was you know right off to the sunset with a potential Cup winner, yeah. Ken Holland. Which you know I'm going to get on the train of you know it was a poor off season. You know they needed forward depth and they did absolutely nothing. Well, and did Holland sign the nurse deal? I don't think he did. Uh, I don't know what year. I think he signed Campbell. He definitely signed Campbell. I don't think he signed the nurse. But I'm not sure. You know, he might have. It's. I think you are seeing the changing of the guards um, in terms of Jeff Jackson taking over. You know, that is McDavid's old uh, GM or uh, agent. You know, you're you're seeing it. They're 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 trying to make McDavid happy. And you know, I think the reality is the big question. I think comes this July with uh, Leon being a free agent. You know, you got to keep. You got to think they got to keep Leon to keep McDavid happy. If you lose Leon, I don't know about that. If you lose Leon, what what you know? Yes, you lose. You're you're opening up nine, ten, eleven, maybe twelve potential million dollars of, of cap room. But um, Holland did sign the nurse deal. I think it's a little scary if you let Drysaddle walk and and you see that McDavid in two years. You is, can't let him walk. So so here's a, here's a big thing. Here's a big thing. Um, Arm touched on it, and then you you opened with a jack, right? Now they've got all these McDavid people in the organization, and Correct. it looks from the outside, right? It's it's 
don't let Gretzky leave Edmonton twice, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the whole thing. But what I think is being lost is that what's being lost in that conversation is you know this isn't basketball. Like I don't think McDavid is this prima donna who needs all these yes men around him. I really don't. Um, I think that that's the organization doing a very common tactic in just organizations that make up people that are corporate kind of politic environments, which I've got a little bit of experience around. It's a cover your ass thing where the the it, the front office is saying like externally, it's really more of an external thing than it is about internal, which is sad, but that's just the way that people respond to high pressure situations. And so they're bringing in these McDavid people as a sign to the outside world. We're doing everything we can to keep Connor. And I, I think all McDavid cares about is winning. And he knows his legacy is all about Stanley Cups. Plural. Um, and so while I think, you know, that, that that's a good CYA tactic from a PR standpoint, right? <laughs> we're just talking about hockey guys not really knowing PR, but like I, I, I don't think it's necessarily an effective chemistry thing inside the building. I don't well, think so either. Before we wrap up on, on the Oilers coaching change. Well, we need to talk about the personnel coming in and what we talked about last week about who might come in because there's a big difference in who well, they brought in versus who we said they need. They brought in – uh, Knobloch, they had uh, Paul Coffey, who's been a, a special advisor to the owner. I think he's coming in as the defensive coach. Um, but it sounds like more of a guy who's just kind of being in the room and observing and, and probably more of an agent than a uh, potential coach. I, you know, the, we'll see what happens there. Um, I know you don't like that. More um, of an agent? I think more reporting back to the owner and seeing what what is what is needed. You know, do they really need to reshape this total roster? Do they need to? Yeah. Um, who's who, who's who's at fault? And you know, I think you look at it. You're saying McDavid and McDavid was on note saying the locker room wasn't lost. You know what? You know, yes, the obvious is the goaltending has been horrendous. But um, you know, as I said, I think the t- the clock is starting to tick on on the prime years of of Drysaitel and McDavid, and and they have nothing to show for for it at this point. Arm, if you have something, I'm ready to kind of jump right in here. Which I have, I have one final point on reason for optimism on this team. Okay, Go before ahead. before we get there, like the reason for the firing, the change, right? It's we talked break glass in case of emergency. It's emergency time. It just is, right? Uh, uh, Drysidle will have a contract year next year, right? So this summer is his. Can you extend him, or is he going to go into a contract year? Correct. The so and, and then and then. Um, and then McDavid's the following summer. Correct. So they absolutely I, I think that I think that's the nature of the business. I think everybody understands that. But we talked last week about what kind of a guy they need to bring in. We talked about a Baruby type. We talked about a Hardo. We talked about kind of a different, a different kind of mentality because Woodcroft's a very player guy. He's kind of younger. He connects with the guys and um and he's you know not not one of these hard asses. And what they do, they brought in, you know, another younger guy, McDavid's junior coach, and it seems like another Jay Woodcroft that they've brought in. So in that sense, and then they have Paul Coffey coming in to assist on the defense. I, I mean Paul Coffey, right? One of the probably top twenty Correct. players of all time, arguably. Um not exactly a defensive stalwart, right? I mean, not, not a lot that's, of defensive. That's why I say I think he's a, he's more of a guy reporting back to ownership. And well, I don't think anybody will ever top Paul Coffey's uh, uh, point production numbers, but like, yeah, he's not he's not bringing in a hardcore system and like and like hammering out Correct. video with the boys. They've probably got under assistants that will be doing that stuff. Um, but to me, like that identity change with the coaching, it's that seems a little. It seems a little less than you know. It, the, the prescription doesn't necessarily match the illness in that sense, if you follow. Um, but also, it goes back to my prior point, which is they're like 
they're going to balance this out. If they keep putting 40 shots on net with these guys, like yeah. their shooting percentage is going to go up, they're going to start putting up more goals, and they're going to outscore teams. And maybe, just maybe, Evan Bouchard, I mean, who better for Evan Bouchard to hang out with every day than Paul Coffey? <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, you know, it's it, so it's interesting. Let me pose this question, and this will go to your optimism of, of where they can rebound. They sit at nine points currently. I think they're at 16 points out of a wild card or out of a division um, catching Vegas. I think, you know, is it, is it safe to say that the Pacific title is out of their, out of their hopes? Yes. Yeah. And the so, ship sailed. And, and like for our listeners, right? U.S. Thanksgiving, right? U.S. Thanksgiving. A week from tomorrow is the unofficial cutoff date for playoff seating. The history of hockey, basically the playoff picture at U.S. Thanksgiving on Black Friday, doesn't change save for two or three teams across the entire league that aren't in it at Thanksgiving that end up making it at the uh, end of the season. So, you know, the Pacific's – it's gone. It's gone. They're not going to catch Vegas. L.A. looks really good. Um, and so, the, it, you know, I, I think that their hopes are to, are to battle there and see what they can do for maybe that third spot. Or it might even be better for them to get in as a wild card and play a central team. So. Well, and then before I toss it to you, Alex, I know we keep doing this, but, you know, there's the Anaheim's in front of them. <laughs> Blue's in front of there's them. There's not a better team Kraken in front of them. You know, the, the, the path is there. Uh, shit, even the Hawks are in front of them. The but, Yotes? You know, you, you're sitting uh, eight points behind the Blues. You know, it, I think the path is absolutely there. Uh, but, you know, as to what the urgency of this coaching change is, I think that's where they had to hit the panic button. And besides tearing down the whole roster, I think a coaching change was, was what was necessary to try and reset the panic button. Very last thing on the break last case, I still think that that mix-it-up trade before January, I still think that that's big, and I still think it's. I think it's Evan. Fringe had the, you know, he couldn't really speak to what the rumor was, but apparently Edmonton had something in the works that was that was big, but has well, has fallen apart or at least is quiet like, at this point. If you want to trade, do it now or do it soon. I know teams don't like to trade this early. It takes but like, two to tango, but it's. Mm-hmm. I know, but there's two options here. One is that you're in the playoff hunt, which means you're playing well, and then are you going to break it up or are you going to get? A little like cold feet on that because right. you're playing well. No, I I, th- I don't think there's I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that they are sellers throughout this season. I, think I don't they're think they're going to be sellers, but like if, if they're not in what the they have to sell race, besides McDavid and they have a lot to sell. They have a lot to sell. But if maybe. you wait to the trade deadline to buy, you're either not good enough to trade for somebody, or you're playing well and you don't want to mix it up. It's one of the two things I think. So I don't I, I think an early move makes sense for them. Um, one move that did happen, roster move for them. Sam Gagne's back. And Sam Gagne, I know he's not one of the best players. He's playing on the first line right now um, with McDavid and I think Hyman. The reason I bring him up is because he kind of made me – and I watched him play, and I was like, oh, he looks pretty good out there. I think one of the biggest, like, mis-evaluations of this roster for me, and I think a lot of people have this conception, is that this team needs more, like, grit and more grinders. The bottom six is kind of full of those guys. Fogel. It's kind of McLeod. full of grinders. They, I don't think they have. I think they have three offensive just players who can. Holloway, fifty-five Holloway, it's college kid. He's hurt though. They oh, just, he just got hurt. Just got hurt. No, Sorry. but that's pretty much what it is. You're two good wingers on the roster. Both are not puck movers. Hyman and, and Vander Kane are really just grinders that are incredibly good at grinding. You know, they're can good you, finishers. Can you understand why I say I think there's there are pieces on this team that are probably attractable, but you just said there weren't. I don't. I still don't think there's anything besides you know maybe Hyman Kane. 
that you really those would are look big for pieces. For but what I'm saying is, and this is, this is why I point to Hyman because Nugent Hopkins can play on the wing and he can move the puck, right? I think there's three forwards on this team who can actually move the puck and like possess the puck and make a good pass. And like, yeah, Hyman and Kane have that in their abilities, but they're not puck movers. They don't help you possess the puck. They don't help you create opportunities. They finish them. They they really have nobody up top who's who's creating opportunities for this team, other than the big three, and one's not, and all three aren't playing well, really. But those are three that can like that can turn I get, it on. I get yes, it, but like, correct. how about instead of putting McDavid with Hyman and like Yamamoto or whoever they decide to throw up there, give him a guy who can make a pass uh, and maybe create something for his, himself, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to McDavid having to skate circles to somebody's back post. Oh. Um, I mean, I think you want the puck on McDavid's stick. I, I get it. Correct. But put some more fucking skill on this roster as opposed to just getting big boys who can finish. Because on paper, right? Oh, it's just like an alley-oop. McDavid's going to find you every time. I would like to see a puck move around this team. Mm-hmm. Trade of Vanderkane or Hyman. I get that they they bring value, but like trade one of them for a different type of winger. It's hmm. it's a thought. It, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily. I, I don't agree that they need more skill. I don't. I think the skill there is going to work out. And I'm going to throw your you know little shooting percentage stat back at you. I think that will find. Um, I think that will find its level. Um, but hey, Army, that's that's a take. That's a take, that's a take, right? Swap out one of these shooters for 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 a, for a puck mover. It's yeah. And even the defensemen are puck movers. Well, Ekholm's pretty solid, solid and Bouchard is good. But they don't have like they don't have like one of those little breakout wizards, mm-hmm. you know, who can yeah. make like a two two lane pass. They're good defensemen. They're more Ekholm can do that. Bouchard can, can do that. They can. But they're not these great puck movers. I, I don't agree with that. Oh, the road for recovery maybe, for the maybe Mac, maybe Mac Grizzlick. Oh, maybe. Honestly, I would that. test that out. I would test that out and like the defense can't get that much worse, so why not? Like, I, I don't even hate that idea. The road for recovery for the Edmonton Oilers, it continues. I think they've got a 6.30 start with the Kraken tonight. They're just beating the we'll see. We'll see who... It's the only team they're going to win. We'll see what happens with the Oilers if they try to recover as we hit basically the Thanksgiving mark. But Edmonton makes, his, makes the coaching change early in the season. Moving on. Moving on to Sweden. The Global Series. The NHL tries their little, you know, Frankfurt-Germany games, their little England uh, go overseas. Um, interesting market to pick in terms of Sweden. You know, it's the third best pretty much nation in the world in terms of, of the world hockey rankings. Um, you know what you're going to get with, with Sweden. I think there's, a, you know, one of the most major NH- or world hockey leagues being the SHL in, in Sweden already. Uh, but four teams sent to Sweden this week, Toronto, Ottawa, Detroit and the Minnesota Wild, the lone wolf in the Western Conference, um, kicks off tomorrow night with – or tomorrow day, I should say. So for anyone of you at work and you got your phone out and you want to throw on a little day hockey, at 2 o'clock you've got Central Time, 3 o'clock Eastern. Pro- pro- probably probably the toughest sport to multitask to, but yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, you got some afternoon hockey on, a, wings, on weekdays. Wings sort of like, uh, you know, on, uh, not exactly Master's Week uh, for those for – those, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like two, that, 2 p.m. Thursday, you got Wings Senators. Friday, you got Leafs Wings at 2. Saturday at 11, Wild Senators. And keeping the Leafs in Sweden for an 8 a.m. Sunday morning matchup with the Wild, the Leafs Wild at 8 a.m. to kick it off on or to, to finish it on Sunday in Sweden. The NHL goes global. Obviously, the Red Wings are involved, so Alex has got a little bit on that. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Sweden, they're in Sweden. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great move for the NHL. Why not? Why not go like let's send, some let's send it over to our international hockey correspondent, Alex the Arm Dog Armor. I am. And these games will be taking place, by the way, at Avicii Arena, pretty sweet barn. Take a look at our Google Maps. Our Levels Google changed everything. 
Levels did change everything, and I hope they're bumping some Avicii at these games. Why not? Um, they absolutely will be. Yeah. Um, but I think they did a great job with the teams. I, I wouldn't – like, I think the Red Wings and Senators have clear Swedish ties here. I mean, two of the best Swedes ever played for the Sens. The Wings, obviously, pretty much Sweden's NHL gotta team. got to think you got a hammer to bring it to score one on this one, too. <laughs> I mean, that's every game. But I don't, I don't know why Sweden would change that. Because <laughs> he's playing the Sens. Because he's playing the Sens. Oh, revenge yeah, game. Yeah, come on. Revenge you know? game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Already Jesus had his... Christ. Don't look at... Don't laugh at me like I'm a freaking idiot. I mean, we already revenged them. He avenged his... That's right. ...trade that he wanted. That's right. I don't know why he's got so much beef. He just wanted to leave. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they did a great job picking these teams. I think they're all fun, exciting players. I think the environment's going to be great. Um, I'm excited to see what it looks like, like, on TV. Because, like, I wonder what... SHL doesn't have the best like video that I see. Um, you mean like broadcasting angles? Broadcasting, I don't love. So I'm, I'm interested to see it. It'll be it'll be cool to get like a new angle. Um, there's always some good clips about like these European players or the like North American teams going over to Europe. Like there's always some good social media stuff. Um, so it should be fun. You know, I'm pretty excited about this. Again, think they picked the right teams. I think they have a, a good group there. And uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just excited about it. And it makes me, like, this makes me, like, think about so many other places I'd love to see games. Um, obviously, Russia would be tough right now, but I think a, a game in Russia would be sweet. Like, Ovechkin <laughs> and the Caps. Go yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen uh, <laughs> under the current I hear regime. you, I hear you. But, like, but like you understand what I'm saying. Like, there's there's so much opportunity for, like, these types of things, and I, I love that the NHL's doing it. I think it'll be fun. So play a little devil's advocate, right? Um, a, a, objectively, right? Bruins aren't going over there. Um, I get to watch hockey in the middle of the day, probably, depending on you know, schedules and other conflicts, et cetera. But you know, I love it as a consumer, as a North American consumer. I think it's cool. To Jack's point, you know, as far as growing the game, they've done things like this. You know, they did the preseason stuff in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done preseason trips to like China Finland. and to Czech Republic and a lot of international markets. Yep. And I think that that's definitely cool. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, for this one, you know, Jack made the point off the top, right? You're not, you don't really need to sell hockey in Sweden. That's kind of a fact. Um, I think some other countries that that would have been good good choices could have been Latvia. They love their hockey. The they're a little underrepresented. Remember, they're growing. Zemis Gergensen, Germany, right, is yep. really growing as like the mid major in Correct. international play. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Austria, you know, so something around there, just because. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, the whole kind of Lux, uh, right, uh, Benelux region, um, but. So, so I get that point about you don't need to sell hockey in, in Sweden. I get that. Um, and then for the teams in this market, you've got a loud market in Toronto, right, that's complaining about the disruption to the regular season, this crazy travel. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant bounce. It's not like the NFL where you play one game a week. Um, you know, this is in the middle of their whole schedule and, and disruptive in, in a lot of sense to the, the normal ongoings of things. Um, which is why I think they're going to be kind of tough games to bet. I'm probably going to stay away from betting them. But my only point on that is um, I don't – you know, there's definitely money in it for the league. Uh, That's business stuff that we don't fully grasp Mm -hmm. and I don't think is totally above board. Excuse me. Uh, thank you, Prozac. Um And the other point is um, is that uh, I mentioned, like, the Benelux region, right? I think those would be the places that I would want to target to try to grow the game. They, I listened to some interesting uh, off-season podcasts about with some of the guys. I think Bill Daly, who's, like, one of the big wigs in the NHL um, in the league office. 
uh, about what they look for in a market in order to do this kind of stuff. And there are like certain requirements the league looks for that are largely based on sort of like financial compensation, um, you know, commitment to promoting the game, not having the game happen without um, it being accompanied by like youth hockey development things and seeing investment in that country to grow hockey. Mm -hmm. That's something they look for. With Sweden, it's like that infrastructure is already there and I don't know how much they're gaining. But I I do think it's a cool thing as an objective observer. But um, I I think that there's there are valid valid. Uh, I don't want to say criticisms, but valid uh, objections to putting this in the middle of the regular season for those four I've, clubs to, to disrupt their they season. They gave them a lot of time. They did. The, like, the Wings haven't played in four days, I think. I think they've been out there for the last two or three. I, I, I think that's like a Crimea River type thing. It's not uh, going to kill your season. And you see next week, I think they're off uh, Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Thursday or something they next week. They built it in fine. So they, they, have, they have found right, their way. Right. But we're also we're talking about Gary Bettman. We know Gary Bettman's not going to do anything unless money's involved. And, you know, I think – Again, he does run a business. He works for the owners. So correct, and and that money goes back to the players too. Mm-hmm. Like the, the like the this players benefit good, like, from from doing things for money should be good. That means the game is growing. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's true. I, I, I think that gets hated on a little bit too much. Uh, and you know, it's interesting. You know, look at Thursday, and you know, you would have thought the Wings would be the favorite, but minus one twenty in favor of the Sens. It's a close line. Obviously, the Rings are plus one hundred, so it's kind of a crapshoot in that one. But uh, I think it'll be fun to see. These four teams go to battle. Lucky enough for you, Arm, the Wings are back by, what, th- Saturday? Aren't they back in – I think they play the first two Thursday, Friday, and then they're done. Yes. So that's e- easy easy pickings for that. It sounds like if the Bruins were involved in this, you'd have a little bit more criticism that you'd probably have involved. But understandable. It's, it's a tough travel. Um, you know, you see what the NFL is trying to push with overseas, and it's just not a schedule where – where a, a team over there. Would, it's a would, little bit of apples and oranges saying American football in London or in Germany versus NHL hockey in Stockholm. Well, and as I think I was listening to Kipper and uh, Bourne. Right. Like th- those are apples and oranges things. When you're playing, you could play three, you know, go back to the States for three weeks, come back, play six games at home, go back three weeks, blah, blah, blah. So it's more manageable in football to do it, obviously, than hockey. So I don't think the league growing overseas is something that's in the plans, but um, the Global Series, definitely a fun thing to throw into the uh, the NHL's mix. It's just fun. Here I, in November. I don't know why there's so much hate on this. <laughs> the teams are, you're not going to get screwed over by two fucking games where the other team has to travel too. And then you come back and get four days of rest. You're going to be able to recover fine. Trust me. And good team bonding stuff always, right? Always. This like, is always. just a fun thing. And I get it. Mm-hmm. You w- might want to go see it in a new country. Sweden is like a hotbed of hockey. Why not yeah. give them a couple games? It's, I, I it's think the best just, league in the world. You, you know, it, it's, it's a it's slam at, dunk. And we yeah. complain about the NHL not doing enough of this all the time so when it happens just say yes and be happy about it and i'm I'm ready to move on from the topic but it would almost be like it almost be like the nfl playing an nfl game in like athens georgia it would be sweet or in tuscaloosa that would be cool you know or like in 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 uh uh, gainesville football uh bed of america texas or or in iowa city which by the way i would love all that yeah so like Mm. like you say that I don't know what your intention was there, but well, I think th- that would be cool. No, no, Roger, no, I, I do. I, I do. Roger, there's a, Gary. You need boys for their there's for the marketing. Big, you got you got two guys right next to me that are that are <laughs> thinking big for you. Uh, that closes us up on the global series. We're moving to the March of the Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've been hot of late. I think they're winners of their last five in a row. The March, defeating of the uh, Penguins, defeating the Blue Jackets last night. You saw vintage 35, 36 year old Sidney Crosby continue and light the lamp for three times after just another. This guy is so good. I mean, obviously he's been the best player in the world for so long, but his ability in front of the net, his ability to just put a stick on the puck and just deflect it. 
is uh, is is wild, and that's what you kind of saw in, in his first goal of the game. And then you look at, you know, thirty seven year old Evgeny Malkin, who's on pace for like one hundred and one points. It's just I don't think Malkin's thirty seven. He is thirty seven, believe it or not. No, I'll, I'll prove it to you. I'll look it up in a second. Otherwise, you can search it up. You've got a phone. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, it was a slow start to the season. It was one of those kind of are we worried about them after the first two weeks? I think we talked a little bit about the Pen- Penguins' sluggish start, uh, but they've they've reinserted themselves in the in their division and and found themselves at eight six and zero oh for sixteen points and right in that hunt for division or for a wild card spot in the Eastern. The boys, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do we got? This seems good. Um, the top two lines, I think, match up with most top two lines in hockey. Um, right now, it's Crosby, Gensel, and... Uh, Rust. No. Yes. No. Yes. Who's playing with Malkin? Malkin's playing with Riley Smith. And Raquel. That's and right. Raquel. You're right, yeah. So so I was doing some research on these two lines because I was, I was watching the game and I was like, they look good. Crosby, uh, Gensel, and Rust are one of the best lines offensively. Like in the game right now, they're just dominant. Apparently, yeah, I know Rust is a great player. I think Rust is just like the perfect like kind of combo forward, does it all. And then Malkin, Riley Smith, and Raquel are a shutdown line right now. They don't. That's the that's what the numbers say. They just don't give up shots. They don't give up good chances. Um, Crosby and Malkin look great. I mean, they look healthy and they look they look big, physical. They're doing their game. They don't seem to have like slowed down that much. Malkin doesn't have the same burst he once had, but he looks fantastic. You know, he's still oh, a beast. God, he had this he had this uh, cross ice feed to Carlson on one of the goals last night. Oh my god, it was, incredible. It was incredible. Like, you you could see you could see Carlson kind of winding up for a oh, while, and they were trying to the, get it there. And then Malkin has it, and he just like he, like he's like in traffic and just finds that lane and just rips one. It was just a one t on a knuckler that. Um, yeah, Carlson put And the away. power play's moving now. Riley Smith's been bumped up to it, and I think he's like kind of a great net front, like enough skill, enough kind of grittiness there to like put home some of those. But, I mean, this power play got off to a slow start. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Eric Carlson is a big upgrade over Latang, and that's no hate on Latang. We're talking about Eric Carlson here, though. Like one of like, the preliminary, like I'm the, glad you bring up Carlson because you're finally starting to see him click. Where in those first two weeks, you know, yes, it's a new place, it's a new system to kind of grow into, but Carlson finally looks like he's integrating well into this Pittsburgh organization. Oh well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like the power play started off slow, and they're they're at 17. <laughs> Take the point 9. right out of my mouth. Their point- the punchline, yeah. 18, they're about 18% at this point right now. You know, I think this is a team that should sit mid-20s, and I think that's a it's pretty good It's going to be one of the best power yep. plays. There's and too much talent. You look at it, and their penalty kill, I think, 84 85% basically at this point. And, you know, the, things are starting to click for uh, for the for Well, the this Pens. third line looks kind of fun, too, with Lars Eller and this O'Connor guy. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They kind of buzz. I was watching this game it. last night. I'm glad you brought that up. O'Connor, and, and, and the college kid. They look pretty good. Lars Eller's been Drew a O'Connor, O'Connor yep. yep. 25. Yeah, but Lars Eller's been like a – Third line warrior his whole career, and he still looks great. Like and he doesn't seem to have slowed down. I give a ton of credit on the pod to Tyson Nash, the play-by-play or the the color guy on Arizona Coyotes. Our boy, the the other arm dog, Colby Armstrong, is doing color for Pittsburgh broadcast. Who's oh, really? another one of my favorite talking heads? Um, he's my second favorite arm dog talking head, I must say. Okay, um, but um, so, but but Colby Armstrong on the broadcast, he was talking about how the how it, it's it's this guy Zahorda and O'Connor, Zahorda, yeah, Zahorda and O'Connor. Too. Zahorda got his shit rocked uh, the other night. But anyway, um, in in um, 
Colby Armstrong was making the point that those guys love playing with Eller and that he's just brought some really good stability to to allowing other guys to play their game because he's such a steady Eddie down the middle and he's in the right positioning and he's always ready for a pass and um, and, and being just an easy guy to play with, which I think um, is, is a very underrated characteristic. And you brought up Riley Smith earlier too, right? Another easy guy to play with. Remember, we were talking on the pod about uh, kind of comparing Duran and Evan Rodriguez, right? Again, on this is unrelated Smith, to these guys. Exactly, exactly, and I, you know, I, I think that um, I, I think those are great observations, and I was really impressed with uh, I was really impressed with the depth with the depth I saw out of Pittsburgh in that uh, Columbus game that I tuned in for. I caught most of the third period as the you know Bruins game turned into a blowout, um, and I mean th- the depth was impressive. Crosby in the third period made like three just like all planet backhands yep and like they were all passes and he fed rust on a breakaway on a backhander through the neutral zone that like anyone else does that and you're like what are you doing dude crosby does it it's like tape to tape right through the d leading him in epic he floated one like it was like a botch breakout and it looked like that classic kind of punt play but no it was intentional for crosby it was just like an airmail diagonally across the ice over the d-man lands right for whoever the pushing winger was might have been rust again um that like you know had him had him not an odd man rush but like gives him momentum entering the zone and zone possession which is just ridiculous um and he he had just another few and and you mentioned uh the side of the net sort of now signature crosby tip in which i say Kreider's the only other guy in the league that's like on the level with that play and uh there's a few guys but yeah it's, but it's not many colby armstrong had a line um <laughs> He calls it. He calls it the side of the net, the the chop tip. That's a good line. The man. chop tip. So um, pretty much what it fair is. Way and it's just like it's like, it's like if, if he's able to get that, unless the goalie's able to like jump on his stick, right, and just get that deflection to hit him, it's going like near side, top down, like elbow macaroni, and it's just it it's it's almost indefensible, especially when Crosby's like lingering in the corner or behind the net, and then he just pops right there under the circle and gets that play, like and. Especially with uh, distributors like either Latang or Carlson. Carlson. Well, and this is the thing. Like Carlson is probably one of the few guys in the league who processes the game as fast as Crosby. You nailed like, it. I don't think Crosby's. And this is like I'm talking about like Malkin and Latang as like elite Hall of Famers. I don't think they process at the same speed Carlson does. I mean, Carlson's almost, like one of a kind. Yeah. Like it's just unbelievable that those two can share the mm-hmm. same ice, and they're probably much like very much on the same page, and they it's going to be open more. Uh, it's going to come at the right time every time. You know, right. it's it's and unbelievable. On, and on that Crosby chop tip, right? Uh, Carlson goes in, he fakes the slap shot, right? Like brings all the attention out of the corners into his shooting lane, and then he's got this little side shot to the to the far corner, and it That's was great. just, it was pretty gross. It was pretty gross. And I've been, I've also been impressed with uh, Patterson and uh, Ryan Graves. I liked Ryan mm-hmm. Graves last year, and I think New Jersey just kind of had to move on. Uh, for roster construction reasons, yeah. but uh, I think those are both good, steady additions. Pedersen was there last year, but Graves I think is a great addition. Oh, and Pedersen um, was getting another. He was getting a lot of credit on the on the pens on the pens broadcast. He's a, he's a guy who's playing 21 minutes for for this team. You know, he's leading in plus minus as much as you know. I love my plus minus, and um, I think that's where you're starting to see the reli- the reliability and steadiness of of depth on this pens team. Yeah. One more thing on the pens, Tristan Jari, lead, 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 leading the National League in shutouts. Arm, what do you got for that? Yeah, I still don't think he's good. I know he has good nights. Honestly, honestly, I'd be more interested to see. We talk about a lot of teams wanting a goalie. I would love to, and I don't know what they think of Jari. I don't. But the shutouts is good for him, you know. Uh, and like honestly, he's played better than I expected this year. I think they would be interesting with it with the top tier goalie. I I just 
okay, I, I, okay. So I, I get that point, but as we've seen, we're going to get to the Ducks, right? I don't think Gibson's going to be on the move. Um, Hellebuck doesn't. He got that extension. No, I don't know if he's moving. He definitely can't Jake fit. Allen. Um, Jake Allen. I think Seems Edmonton's going to be charging for Jake Seems Allen. The big one. But but, but with Tristan Jari, like like I think about moving on from him. You ask what they think. I mean, I would guess they think. You know, going back to a little Star Wars reference, right? Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Like, I think Tristan Jari's their only hope. The way that they're all in with the older roster and, like, the last kick at the can. Like, I don't think they have a lot of flexibility other than Jari being great. And unless he's a disaster, I don't see them moving from him. I don't think they're going to move from him. But bring in, like, a good, competent backup. Like, Magnus Helberg's there right now. He was let go by the Wings because the Wings didn't want They got two guys. And the Wings don't have (laughs) – The Wings chose James Reimer over him. No, I I, I hear you. I hear you. You know, it – Jari's six and five on on the season. You know the other guys have really only stepped into five games so far. Jari's going to carry the way for for Pittsburgh, I think. And I agree with you, Ross, on uh, on that. He's kind of the 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 only hope at this point. So. And, and I know we're moving on from the Pens shortly, but just a few game notes on on watching Columbus a little bit in this. One of my first looks at Columbus this year. You want to save it for loose change? No, no, no. I want to just get it in while we're talking about the Pens because it was all part of this Pens game. This Marchenko. I haven't watched a lot of Marchenko. He's kind of uh, again. It's it, this all goes back to our our comparisons of the players at the different levels. I'm not saying this is apples to apples. I'm saying it's you know he, he's yeah. in the same genre. But he's got he's got a little bit of a kind of poster knock to his game where he's a little loosey goosey, but he gets that puck and it's a it's dangerous. He felt, like a, mag, felt like a yeah. magnet was attached to his, stick his, on his that goal, goal was great. It showed why he had 14 without an assist. Have you seen the he NHL angle of it? Yeah, that was sick. There's a sick angle from that like was above ridiculous. the. It's a very cool oh, angle. Cool. Yeah. Skycam is. Yeah. Cool. I just love that he tried to pass it and he said no. <laughs> and then take it uh, back. Boone, Boone Jenner was pretty elite in the dot. He won some. He snapped him back in a couple draws. Even beat Crosby on a few. And there's this little guy on Columbus that's on the termite watch list named Danforth. Seventeen yep. he wears. Um, he was, uh, you know, he was just he was he was buzzing around out there and working his tail off. And you know, Columbus kind of has that track record of the smaller guys going back to you know Nathan Gerby and obviously they had the Gaudreau, different type of player. But uh, this little Danforth, I liked what I saw out of the little Danforth guy. So he's he's definitely on the radar. Um, and you know, Columbus is not very good, but uh, no. we're not going to watch a ton of their games. I do, I do have a question but. about Columbus. Corrali is a fucking cannonball when he gets moving with the puck. Oh, uh, do I? I've loved Corrali. You uh, like him? Well, he came up with the Bruins, right? I know that's and, why I asked. Yeah, so he, like played at Miami, Ohio. He's a total college hockey player, right? Like not highly skilled, but really fast. Um, good size and length. You know, he's not huge, but he's like he's like six two. Big and fat, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's a great skater. Really good defensively. Good penalty killer. He's everything you want in a fourth line center okay um, so that was because I, I saw a couple plays I'm like holy shit like this guy's moving and like and he won't score 10 goals a year but he has a knack for scoring big goals he scored some big ones for the bruins back in the day yeah. um and he's, he's from ohio right played miami Ohio. he's from the area so that's another thing that they care about in columbus that a lot of other markets don't quick notes for columbus on my end uh jack roslovic hits the ir with a broken ankle uh, unfortunate loss for them Brutal. Finally getting a hopeful, healthy Patrick Laine back in the lineup as he's only played seven games. I think he stepped back in the lineup about three he days ago. He did not ago. look good. He horrible. Yeah. He so he didn't play, he didn't play uh, versus uh, who we, uh, versus Pittsburgh last night. So, you know, the Laine situation yeah, has not been – No, he didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did play. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he looked My bad. Apologies. He looked very bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put Gaudreau and him together to try to get him moving? No. No, Gaudreau was – Fighting it from what I saw. I just, they, both, they both just look like shells of themselves. He's coming off. Can, he missed 20 days, 25 days. I get it. I'm just saying they don't look like they're going to be playing well on that team. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it just doesn't look It doesn't look like they, 
or doing it. It's yeah. not working. Another right. transition year in Columbus for sure. Well, and I think you're looking at you know your hopeful to future. Ca- I think they're Denver confident that Fantilli will be the future you know leader of this team, and and the the Ducks will be in his basket. Uh, but that segues us to a, a little program correction. Program correction because we didn't. We didn't necessarily not talk about these two teams, but we, we maybe skimmed over them a little bit. But we're going to start out uh, on the West Coast, and that's going to be with uh, Rusty's favorite Anaheim Ducks. Uh, it, it has been uh, an interesting start. You know, Radko Gudis, a, a, a lover. Of, not a, a, a podcast guy, favorite. A, a slot shot favorite. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, a, a guy who uh, – Gordy Howe hat for the first time in this uh, this team's uh, – History since Shane O'Brien did it about ten or something. Oh six oh seven. It's been a long time since they've had a Gordy Howe hat trick, and and Radko was able to deliver for the Anaheim Ducks, who are who are sitting actually in a wild card spot, and that's why we start with the Ducks uh, as a team that has kind of shocked uh, shocked a little bit of us. And you know, yes, we talked about the inability, and and we think the doubtful success that Trevor Zegers and in, in a potential um, Troy Terry brings to this lineup. But then you look at Mason McTavish. Uh, you know, they they have cautiously slowly walked in Leo Carlson who's been phenomenal and uh, and much more with this uh, this Ducks team so boys the Anaheim Ducks it's time to give them their moment what do we got I mean this team is competitive uh, and that's kind of what the the program correction is here mm-hmm. we didn't think they had that much with them I also Leo Carlson was tough to judge in terms of what his first year role was going to be I think particularly because he's Swedish and a lot of people are like, oh, is he like? Are they going to try to adjust him to the North American game, which is this common thing that that does happen, you know? Um, but he's come out and played. They've limited how many games he's played a little bit, and they they plan on doing that for most of the first half of the year. But when you see him play, and when he's when he's moving, he is unbelievable. And you can just you can see how much potential this guy has. I mean, he's huge. He possesses the puck well. He's got a shot on him, which I score. I wasn't fully score, aware yeah. of how, how, like, what his scoring potential was. I think that's a tough thing to fully judge, at least for me. From like, a lot of things are tough to judge draft scouting, but he looks like he's up to the pace. He looks like he can slow the game down already, and part of that's because he's big. You know, he can just kind of shield the puck a little bit. But he's looked great. I think the wingers on the top lines have played well. You know, they've done it. Mason McTavish looks like a guy who's going to be like a. You really want him as your second line center? Probably the next captain of the Ducks. I think he should be. Yeah. And he looks like he's going to be like an elite number two center. That could be a number one on a lot of teams, but as a number two, he's just he's unbelievable. Um, so I've been impressed with that. We talked a little bit, I think, on the pod about this Mitnikov kid, who I did not know much about, but he is spectacular. So, Army, in our, in our, in our, um, in our preview, <laughs> we, we, what is it? We, we, Saw the forest but missed the trees or whatever yeah. the line is. We whistled past the graveyard because we talked about um, their their uh, prospect depth on D. And we were talking about Jamie Drysdale. We were talking about this uh, Zellweger. Yeah. Um, I'm still really high on Zellweger. I loved what I saw from him in junior. But in comes this Pavel Minyakov. Uh, 10 points in 15 games, running PP1, um, playing tons of minutes, mm-hmm. looking like he belongs. The games that I've watched, um, which are a couple Bruins games and you know a little bit here and there across them, um, he's eating big minutes. He's possessing the puck. Um, he's like I- I've been so impressed. He looks so like you. You could tell me he's a six-year veteran, and I'd believe it. He doesn't yeah. look like a rookie at all. Um, and you know, I've, I've got, I'm really high on this kid and yeah, it's hardly, it's hardly a LaVisca at this point. Cause he's already been so, so great, Fantastic, but, but yeah. we didn't, you know, we didn't even realize he was going to be a big time piece of this team. He, he's been their best player this season, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, we breezed over it. Well, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, for a guy who was a first round, tenth overall pick, you know, we really did breeze. He kind of fell off our radar a little bit. And but it's part of it's like we can't follow every team, and he wasn't correct. on projected lines. And so it's like hard. This team's on the West Coast. You know, most of their games at nine, ten. We haven't watched much Anaheim, and we're no. also not in the Anaheim. I don't know what their media circuit looks like, but uh, we're not in it. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so it's been it's been good, and you know, Ross. I, I think you may like this. They've done it with Zegers being awful. Now he's hurt, but he had two points in twelve games. Hey, we want guys to be healthy. We want guys I'm to be not, healthy. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But like, he, he wasn't the one leading this charge. They have a lot of pieces, though. Right. Yeah. We've seen a ton of pieces on this oh, team. Oh, Frank Vitrano, well. sixteen points. Well, I wanted goals. to give a shout out to Frankie Vitrano, Frankie V, uh, Western Mass Springfield boy, former Boston Junior Bruin, um, and just a just a beauty. Um, he shoots everything. That's his career. He came up with the Bruins, and he just like. Finds a puck, gets a puck, shoots a puck. And you know what? You need guys like that. And he's just got a finishing touch. He's had it since he was a 15-year-old. Um, and he just gets the puck. He finds the back of the net. He's made a hell of a career out of it. And right now he's thriving. 11 goals in 15 games. Are you and kidding me? I think it's a great thing for young centers to have shooters. They don't have to be the best shooters, but there, there really is a lack of guys who like shooting the puck in the league. It's, it's a thing that I don't fully understand because you think it's a decision. But I think part of it's a skill. Get your shot off, you know. And part of it's a mentality, and having those guys around your young playmakers is fantastic. I think it, it, it's a mentality, but also like it, it's very easy to pass to guys who are going to rip one. L- uh, little bit like of a, that pass. little bit of a throwback. There's a, a player on the Bruins Stanley Cup team, Michael Ryder. Um, who I was like he was one of he was one of Claude Julian's like favorite players because he had him in Montreal and then he had him again in Boston, and he doesn't do a hell of a lot, but he gets the puck and he puts it bar down and scores. And it's like you know as a fan it can be frustrating, but at the same time like we like cheap goals right? Vitrano yeah. like Ryder it's kind of that that kind of a player. Well, um, four that, power play goals. I mean he's clearly the target of the power play. He's he's led the team in shots like we've we've talked about. I think there's a little more, a little bit more to the Frankie Vitrano trade than than the Michael Ryder, but I, I yeah, no, I, and I think I think Vitrano generally like he's he's a little bit more of a grinder. He's got a little bit more edge to his game. Um, he plays with I think a better attitude than than um, <laughs> the Noof Ryder did. Um, but uh, no, I, I just I want to definitely give give Vitrano his uh, his his. His dues, his, his flowers. His dues, his flowers. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. no, it's, it's good players, too. I like the Radco edition. You know, it, like, offseason, this is definitely something I was like, why? Yeah, like, why, are you, you going to, why are you going to Anaheim, too? But, well, he did money, it for the money. Money, 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 yeah. like, For Anaheim, this is what I like about a team, like going out and finding some guys who can fill holes because it's hard to play well and hard to develop when you're playing with bums. Um, so, like, I, I think this is an underrated, like, they're good bridge signings, you know. Oh, Radko's looking great. And Ross, they're, get, they're getting good goaltending. You actually you bring up the goaltending, and it's uh, yes, it, it hasn't been bad. And Gibson's only averaging two point nine goals against. Two point no, one nine. Big but difference. But this Lucas Dostal, 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 something like that. Seven games, five and two. Maybe the potential future. Maybe if you you, you get him a little bit more games, and maybe you talk about potentially. Uh, Adding to the roster and seeing what a John Gibson could attract. He's but got a ninety-one percent save percentage. That's I'm not. Cool. No, I'm not saying By he's been way. bad. I'm not saying he's been bad. But I think you got to look at. And I, I don't know much about this Lucas Dostal. Dostal. But also 20, pre- 23. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, preseason, I would say, if a goalie on the Ducks, including John Gibson, had a nine-ten save percentage, that would be a good defensive year for the Ducks. Like, yeah, the fact that both of them are above that is like that. Says something about the defense and the goaltending. You know, it's hard, it's hard to do that. And, and another credit to just a veteran who's been through a lot in Anaheim, uh, Cam Fowler. 
right? Sam so Fowler. He, he's playing well. He came on. He came onto the Ducks when he came up as a hot prospect and a high draft pick. He came onto the good Ducks, right? Yeah. Back totally. when the Pacific was a total gauntlet. I'll give Fowler, Henrique. You know, these are two guys that have hung out in for a while. But with Fowler specifically, he's right? been there forever. Yes, yes. He came in when they were a really good team, and mm-hmm. then as soon as he kind of hit his stride, yep. the team went off a cliff. So it's good to see him, who's who's been really consistent, um, and as a kind of veteran, you know, mm-hmm. solid, solid D man. He's he's helping hold down the fort, probably allowing Minyakov to be as effective as Minyakov's totally. been. I don't think they're playing together. I don't think because so. Minyakov he's so puck dominant. Like yeah. but Minikov you want them separate. Yeah, Radko exactly. together. You're better. Uh, well, Radko's more the third I, pairing, I think. No, Radko's playing some minutes, dude. <laughs> yeah, good, good. But, no, I, I like that call. Because Cam Fowler, I, I actually followed his career pretty closely because he was linked to the wings for, like, ten whole years. He was linked to a lot of places, yeah. I know, but, like, it was always like, are they going to trade him? And there was this high point of Cam Fowler, like, a couple years after he came up, of, like, oh, he's an elite defenseman. The Ducks want everything for him. And then I think his reputation kind of plummeted with the team, which makes sense. You know, it doesn't have as much to do with the player. It's good to see him have his resurgence, you know, and, and get to play competitive hockey. This mm-hmm. team's fun, you know. I'm, I'm excited. Like, I can call them a competitive team now. 900 games played for Fowler at just age 31, right? So he's, he's had a great career. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Fowler and Lacombe, Labushkin and Minyakov, and Vakaninian. I can't say Urho Vakaninian. Thank you. Labushkin well, loves to eat a shot. <laughs> so, it blocks a lot of shots. Anaheim, we, uh, we apologize. It's a, oh, it's a program connection. McTavish face-off beast. What's he Plus 40 at? on the season. Something like that. Let me see. Uh, like but, he's just very good at them. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Uh, but, yeah, the Anaheim Ducks, their first part of our little program connection, or correction, our second part, and maybe not as, as substantial of an increase in terms of what we've been seeing, but uh, hey, Torch has got the boys in Philadelphia buzzing to a 500 record. Um, Alex, I'm going to let you uh, lead us off on the Philadelphia Flyers since you were so eager, and then I'm going to toss it over to you, Rusty. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a team that when we talked about them, uh, we kind of just bashed them, and I think there was, like, fair reason to do so. Looking at the preseason roster, you're like, what what are we doing here? Now, this was definitely a part of poor research on our part because we didn't really place that Couturier and Cam Atkinson were going to be out of this lineup, um, which we should have. Because that that was a known thing. Oh, it's but, been uh, tough. It's been tough years for Criteria. There's no, there's no. Doubt I know, about but that. he's back and he's playing well. Cam Atkinson is back and he's playing well. They have a new identity under Torts. You know, they're playing. I I think they're adapting that well and winning some games and being competitive helps. They have good goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know Carter Hart got injured for a bit, but he's back and he's playing well. They kind of have a sneaky good, like kind of fun young decor. Um, yeah, like I, I was surprised by that, but Sandheim's racking up some points. Um, Sean Walker guy, he came from the Kings, right? I want to say he's the Australian dude. Who? Sean Walker? Walker? Yeah. Uh, he came from the Kings, though. No, he's Ontario. Okay. Excuse he came me. from the Kings. I, I've, like, Scott from Walker. Uh, excuse me. Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Yeah, the yeah, Australian. yeah. Sorry. Um, but he's good. Cam York, like they just kind of have a good like stable of like. Cam York's playing twenty two minutes for this. No, team. they have a good stable of like kind of puck moving defensemen. Travis Sanheim's been good. York was York was epic for the junior team uh, in that. Yeah, in that and I think that's years. where Philly was so high on on Cam York coming in because I think he actually ended up playing some games that year after uh, going back to college. But uh, the future has been invested into potentially in, in Cam York. I think after he did uh, York he play BC Michigan, I think. Want to okay. say. Uh, but, uh, you know, you've seen a little bit of Bobby Brink. I know Alex has been excited about what Bobby Brink's brought to the table. Yeah. Um, 
Joel Farabee, Travis Konecki, Konechny, Travis Konechny, he's got to be one of their top scorers. Oh, and and he has been. Right, right. But, uh, no, he's he's a prized asset for them. Mm -hmm. Cam Atkinson, right, longtime torts guy going back to Columbus. He's looked really good for them. And Travis Sanheim. He's good. Really taking an extra step. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's at that point in a young D-man's career. I think there was a lot of kind of just questions about him, and I think basically they made the pivot to get rid of Provorov and build around Sanheim. And I, I think that there, there's been talk about Sanheim as a trade piece. I think Philadelphia is like, nah, like he's well, part they, of the core. They look, he's at he's 27 at this point. So is he now? It, you know, it's, it's it's been a bit of a waiting process with Sanheim for for the Phillies. Sometimes, uh, for the Phillies, sometimes, for the de- sometimes defensemen are like that. You know, yeah. yeah. You're finally seeing Middlestad take steps to to the right correction, the right. Right progression, so you know, it takes a little time. Buffalo? Middle yeah. stat, mm-hmm. the forward on Buffalo. He's been better this year. Yeah, what does that have that to do with Travis Sanheim? Just guys that are taking longer to develop. Sure, is basically the, my point. Yeah, but I just think this they're team, way too harsh on me. This team looks good, <laughs> and it's also like it's it's nice to see some of these leading, young players leading the, the Sabers in points. Fucking assholes! It was just a, an irrelevant comp. Like, Tallest was, midget also was, in Buffalo right now. It's yeah. just in terms of development. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah, but. These young players, I think it's been good to see that. Like, I think Katurian and Atkinson and Konechny, like, they, they help a lot. And Konechny was obviously healthy all of last year, but uh, having legitimate NHL players around your young players can make the team look a lot different. Uh, we talked about that with Radko and how these can make, like, veterans can help young players develop. And it seems obvious, but a lot of teams, I think, avoid it, and they just like to let the kids play, which is, you know, I, I think there's merit to that in some respects. But, uh, yeah, this team this team is competitive and look, – borderline good i would say i think they're gonna be in the playoff hunt um i don't think they'll make it but like they're gonna be a pain they're not a walk they're not like a step over team like they were last year and i think if you're a philly fan there's a lot of pieces now where you can get excited and start saying in two three years if like we have some more development we bring in some guys this could be exciting especially when could be exciting that i will agree with you but i don't like don't see a playoff hunt for this team but what will be interesting is that new front office right jonesy and briere how do they manage how do they manage being in the 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 old the old the old nfl analogy right the in the hunt graphic if they're in the in the hunt graphic and torts is you know torts is a win now guy um how how does that triumvirate look at trade deadline Um, i'll tell you how it i'll tell you how they look at it because i think it's very clear what they're looking at right now shoot arm they have a guy that only fell because he was going to take a while to go matvey michkov is coming and like if we think about like we talk about columbus we talk about all these other teams that had these top draft picks most people had michkov as the second best player in this draft Mm -hmm. and some people not many but some people were like he's almost bedard level right we're talking about a player of that caliber potentially coming in two to three years. I don't see how you're not building for that, and I think the team's well positioned to do that. Get some development here, so you're running when he hit, when he steps on North American ice. That's where you look at this team in a couple of years, and you're like, oh, they built for this moment, and they're dangerous all of a sudden because you're adding in a guy who's going to be 22, who was one of the top prospects, who you would hope has developed a lot more. It, it's a pretty exciting future. If, if, if you believe in Mishkov and where this organization is going, um, I don't see how, how you're not excited. How this isn't like a team of the pretty close future. And I think a lot of Flyer fans were ready to write off the season and just kind of check in around, you know, deadline and prospects and draft season. And I think there's a lot of good reasons if you're a Flyers fan to tune in. So check there them out. More, check them out. More They're so on our radar. Years past. I, I'm going to be the negative Nancy and say I don't see this team staying in the hunt. I think a regression is due, but uh, 
we'll see. We'll see. I like the optimism from the boys on, on the Philadelphia Flyers, and, and that was program correction. We apologize to those two teams that we may have breezed over in our in our previews. Last point on Philly that's a counter is the Metro's down this year, right? The Rangers look good. Everyone else, not and so the whole, much. The whole East, I think, is a little bit down. There's good yeah. teams in the East, but, like, you start talking about wild card, like Ottawa's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's a joke. Buffalo's, Buffalo's done. Buffalo's done. Like, there's we'll, a lot of we'll teams that we're Buffalo, supposed to. I think Buffalo's. Yeah, I'm there's ready. a lot of teams that were supposed to be there that don't seem to be there. So like, it's, I think there's a lot of room to. The Islanders look like shit. Like, they look terrible. A, there's a ton of. Oh god. Fire Lou. Opportunity her out. It's Lou's looking like the final days of Belichick down there. It's times, boys. It's time for loose change. Our, our little uh, around the horn of of the national we can review. I know the boys watched a lot of hockey. I know there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, uh, a little bit of, you know, it sounds like Ross wants to go into uh, the Buffalo direction. Uh, boys, what do we got? Who wants to lead us off on loose change? I'm ready to fire. I'll jump. Um, Thursday night, Bruins Islanders. Is, it was, you know, a um, little bit of a battle of a game, uh, especially considering how down how down the Islanders are right now. But just Pasternak, man, he just finishes, and it's what he does, and it's really valuable. How many chugs do you got? This year? Uh, 11. Um, Is that I, what he's at total? Yeah. I, Good. I either have 11 or uh, maybe a dash one. He might have 12. Oh, he's at 11. Yeah. Um, Shattenkirk, God, he was terrible on a shorthanded goal they allowed. Um, Shattenkirk's becoming a bit of a concern in Boston. Um, Brad Marchand was buzzing around and screwing with Barzal on Thursday night. I like that. I've noticed he's been, again, you know, that's kind of his MO, but he's been targeting every major guy. Um, when they play games, and that's his method of leadership, and it's it's become very clear. And I say major guys on the other team, like a Barzal, not like a Ryan Reeves. Um, little point on the Islanders, that Engvall, uh, Brock, Nelson, and Palmieri line, greater than Anders Lee, Barzal, and Horvat. Um, I'm, it's just I, I talked about it last postseason, and that's the line that's driving them, and that's pro- pretty much why they're a little bit of a joke right now. Um Charlie Coyle at his first career hat trick in that game. Um, Charlie Coyle's a guy I, I think I talk a decent amount. He's a great hockey player. He's just not a point producer. Um, and with, obviously, the departure of Cratchy and Bergeron, right, he's, he's had to step into a little bit of a bigger role. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a 55. He's never hit 60 points before in his career. I don't know if this is the year. But he had a hat trick, and there's a cute little finish there where Pasternak had the wide-open net, and he was like, go to the net, go to the net, and he fed him for the tap-in, which that's just cute, and that's part of, you know, the Bruins loving each other, et cetera. But Mason Lorai, um, Lowrider, Lorai, um, he's been you know, the, the number one thing for me to watch on the Bruins right now. <sighs> Very frustrated to say that they're out to the exact same start they were last regular season. Um, I know that's strange saying that, that I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm concerned about that, but you guys know my reasoning there with Lorai, you know, I, I watched a, l- a little bit of him at Ohio state <laughs> and it, it's a different player in college than he's going to translate in the NHL, but he's getting his time, his time in the NHL. He's playing with McAvoy right now. Um, he's playing left shot with McAvoy, right shot. And, um, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good. He's got some, he looks good. He's got some defensive zone things and some defensive play to adjust to, but I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, no, I, I couldn't agree more. He no, looks really good. Dude, I think. I, no, no, no. I, I'm with, I, I couldn't agree more. Like I, I'm to- that's part of why I'm trying to like Grizzly is hurt right now, but when Grizzly's back, he's going to take that spot unless they move, move Grizzly. Yeah, I think they should. I mean, Lorai looks I great. Could, I couldn't agree more. I'm concerned they're going to hoard all these players, um, and maybe send Lorai to Providence, which would be a, devastating I to think me. Mitchell's the one out. 
Well, but um, my, my point with Lorai is I've been kind of trying to figure out his game and, like, his player comp. And what I'm seeing out of him right now is a little bit of a, like, like John Klingberg. Early John Klingberg, not current, you know, uh, uh, lashing boy in Toronto Klingberg. A lot of people forget Klingberg was at times considered, like, a Norris guy and, like, like was one, oh, of, the, was, one of the hottest prospects. He was offered, like, a, he was unbelievable like a $60 million dollar contract or something. He was part of that Anaheim team that was Not Anaheim, Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, he played one year in Anaheim. It was a disaster. Oh, yeah, um, but 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 Klingberg in his game, it's it's a strange comp. But what I saw in Klingberg was almost like a David Krejci esque presence when the puck's on his stick, with just like patience and poise and slowing the game down. And Lorai seems to have a natural uh, thing for that, which is it, it's really cool to watch. I thought he was going to be a little bit more of kind of a Brandon Carlo type, big guy skates well, plays D. He's a lot more offensive puck on his stick, um, kind of dictating play, which is really – its I mean, it, it's, it's really exciting. Like, he can move incredibly well, especially for his size. I I like what I see. Also, anytime you get the early comp to Klingberg or somebody of that ilk, that's, that's, you can always hope on defensive adjustments coming. Yep. You know, like, like being able to move that way and skate with the puck and make plays, that's what you're excited about. You know, everything else can round out. Cleaning up the loose change on that one, just Bo Horvat. Invisible. I, I I didn't see him once. Uh, I was very, very. You know, he's a player I was so high on after he had just a dominant playoffs with Vancouver two 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 springs ago, and he's just he's just not. He's just uh, got like he's, he's just get str- hot. He's fighting it. Yeah, but he get when he gets hot, he scores a ton, and then he's not hot. But he's he's not a point of game player, which I think when he was traded for last year, people were expecting him to continue to be his hot start. Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, shall I progress with loose change? Yes. To Avalanche Kraken. Um, I caught this third period, right? So it's an incomplete. Yeah. And this inc- is, just quickly, this is a week where Jared Bednar said they suck. Just continue. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I get it. Um, and, you know, m- my point on the Avs and Kraken, right? They obviously had that, had that uh, playoff last year. There's something about when these two teams get together. The guys are just flying around, and like it's it is like sneaky, really chippy, um, just a playoff atmosphere on the ice, which you know it could be rare, like we talk about in November. Um, and you know, it goes, they've got some bad blood, right? Remember, Cogliano took a weird hit and like broke his neck, mm-hmm. um, and so there were some responses, some fights in that game. Um, Valerie Nachushkin, who I'm continue to be really impressed with this year. I know the Avs aren't really going full steam, but I've loved what I've seen out of Nachushkin. He had this he he had a football shift where he he uh he literally he literally he just like he just like shoves this guy. He finishes a check and just two hand shoves a guy, drops him, and then flies to the front of the net and uh and one of the Kraken was like trying to get in position for a rebound and Nachushkin's just like driving the front of the net to like be in a defensive position and the puck comes out and Nachushkin just smokes the guy without the puck getting there. Two minutes for interference, but it was it's good to see the big man get going. And they call Nachushkin on the Avs broadcast. They call him Big Val, which I just love. Big Val. Big Val. Um, I thought that was awesome. Um, uh, oh, my God. Prosvitov was the backup goalie for the Avs playing. <laughs> Fine goaltender. Looks like he's good at stopping pucks. Not good at playing pucks. Uh, stay in the crease. Big fella. Um, that that was a big one, but the big dogs got going against the Kraken, and and um, you know it was a tight game, and the Avs ended up being I think they're down two one. I think they finished that game something like four two, scoring three in the third or so. Um, and this was their loss four three uh, on Thursday night. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played twice in the week. No, no, no. no, But but they were down 2-1. They went up 3-2. And the big boys were absolutely buzzing. And, like, it it was like that tilted ice, that that uh, Edmonton-San Jose game, right? They were just dominating. um, And Taves put one in after just a completely dominant shift from – they loaded up that first line with uh, Rantanen, McKinnon, and and Nechuchkin. And it was just dominance. Um, right after that goal, uh, Vince Dunn smashes Cogliano. Byron drops the gloves. Byron gets a double minor um, and a roughing minor for Dunn. So this is another thing we're starting to see, right, that whole emphasis on, quote-unquote, responses. And I think more often than not, the teams that, quote-unquote, respond are going on the PK. Just something to keep an eye on and uh, going to be a, a developing story all year. Um, I Makar was he was up to his old tricks. Uh, I thought he played some good penalty kill and defense. And another another program correction. You know, I talked about Jared McCann and you know, oh yeah, he scored forty goals last year, but you know he's not a forty goal guy. Um, newsflash, Rusty. If you score forty goals in the NHL, you're a freaking forty goal scorer. <laughs> and like this guy is a big time shooter. He just is. Like he, he really is, and he gets it off all the time. I'm glad you said gets it off because, like, the way that he plays the puck before he shoots and changes his angles and um, finds ways to just unleash that, it's pretty special. And I don't, I think I totally whistle past a graveyard on McCann. I think so too. The other thing is, he, like, the Kraken don't do one power play. They, they just haven't yet. <laughs> they don't really have it yet. They don't but have they, big they, dogs. they rotate the power plays. It's kind of just a mixed bag of players out there all game. Like, mm-hmm. they'll have two set power plays, but they split them up pretty evenly. So it's not like he's on one of these typical 40-goal-scorer power plays where you get fed all the time. They don't always do that with them. And then, no, that, that totally valid. Um, and just, just so so this game, right? So the Kraken got out to an early lead, and then it felt like the ice was totally tilted. Avs dominated. They, they go up. And then just like these two teams, it's like, it's like the, they, they've just got each other's numbers. It's like the Kraken kind of have Avs number. Late in the game, Rusty Colton gets lost behind the net, and Bjorkstrand a bounce off the pad. He's just the man on the money. Buries thirty two point eight seconds left. They tie it, go to overtime, and win in overtime. Yeah, three on three overtime. I don't put a lot of a lot like the Avs don't need that point. I think they're going to be all right. Um, so I don't I don't go crazy about this was a regulation it. loss. Hmm. You got me there. You got me there. <laughs> Jesus, I have a question. Right. Did you no, know? I'm just I, I'm I'm losing it. I, I I lost track of the score and my notes are a little discombobulated. So there you go. So the Abs end up dominating a game and they come away with zero points because they have that mental lapse late. And you got to think the Abs would have won in three on three with the skills they have. Yeah. Um. So two points down the drain. Um. And at least one point down the drain. <laughs> That's a really tough regulation loss in a game they play. I, th- I I mean I thought that like they, they I didn't see this first half of the game. They probably sucked it up early, but you know they they pushed late. And they got right back in it, and then they just choked it away late to the Kraken. It's something about the Kraken. You're, thank you, Jack, though. Important to keep that. Oh, and That's a big detail, especially when Bednar's on him about it. And Colorado was able to revenge their uh, their loss on Saturday night versus that Kraken team. I think they beat them 5-1 or something. A little bit of a pumping for, for the Avs. Um, as I said, you know, Bednar has been very critical of what he's seen from this Colorado team. Yes, they are in, uh, in that Central Division hunt, but... I think there's so much more that can be unlocked with the avalanche of what we've seen so far. So it's just a, a sleeping giant that I think will be awoken and will be terrifying once once that happens. Uh, before we breeze too much past Thursday, you got to talk about, uh, you know, yes, we know. Uh, hold, Connor- on, hold on. On the Avs, Lekkonen, Le- Lekkonen got hurt really bad. He had to go to the hospital. 
Um, yes, head they, head they right into the neck. Yes. I know it's a it's a huge. So he went head first. In. It's a little scary. I think yeah. we're, we're still waiting on the extent of that. Um, I, you know, it's not like a, there's no movement or anything like totally scary like that. I think the players like, like physically okay. Was he, uh, I don't know about when he's ready to come back in the lineup, but um, move to long term IR. On yeah, Monday. yep. So that's a big hole for them. And we talked about Lekkanen last week. I think you know, he's just playing such an important role for them. He's such mm-hmm. a glue guy. And we also talked about how they. Needed another top six forward to step up. Now, and now they go down one. Yeah, it's, been it's one a of tough. Best. It's tough. There's no question about it. All right, Jacker, um, where were we heading there? I was just going to talk about the kid, Connor Bedard. I think you saw one of the most impressive goals of the year, and it, it didn't even actually happen on the on the goal itself. It was the setup with uh, with Felino and, and Bedard. I think he was racing to a puck with Kucherov. Uh, with your stick, you know, I think I could pull a stick behind me, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to hit the boys. But obviously your stick is shaped. Oh, you're going to hand it yeah, to we're me? we're going to rip the stick out. We're going to rip a little stick. Don't pull, break anything. Pulling out the bit. He's got the twig. He's, He's got, got the, the twig. twig. So obviously your curve is like this. He flips it over, whips it across Kucherov's body, finds the puck over to Felino, works his ass to the net, beats the puck or wins the battle to the race to the net, gets the pass, Puts it on net. Yes, the Colorado or sorry, Tampa defenseman ends up putting the puck in the net after the collision with the goalie. But this kid, this talent that we're seeing from these kids, are freaking unbelievable. Freaking the, the fact that he was able to do that against one of the best players in the NHL in terms of uh, of a Kucherov and, and definitely guy, one of the best defensive players in the NHL too. Uh, he's not a you know yes he's a little bit of you know offensive more minded but yeah, I'm kidding I'm, no no he the, did it on Kucherov that's, it's that's an play. unbelievable play he had two in this game he had I think four in this one I think his second multi point game of the season the Bedard show is happening in Chicago and it, it is so fun to watch and, and exciting and and you know where where the future is you know Korchinski finally scored his first one he, he's buzzing the the youth movement is is on the horizon, so you know. Well, I, also, and it's so, sorry, but just it, it's ideal. He's scoring points, and what and they're losing games, so it's a win-win. Perfect, yeah. It, but it, also, like past this av- or the Lightning game, which was unbelievable. I mean, he had an assist in that game. Another assist that was great. Oh, Perry Both set up great. Perry for yeah. a great goal. But then he follows this up against Florida in a, another loss. But uh, do you see him take one that goal, puck? One oh, goal, he God. just goes. And the tweet I saw, which is how I first saw the goal, was like Bedard has like beast. It was like not beast, but it was something like along along the lines of like anger management mode activated. Because <laughs> he just aggressively comes in and rips like it was a hard stick lift, and he roofs it on like a shot that not many players in the league make. You know, like Bob was stunned. One of those stunned. Crosby short siders. It was just a, a roof job, yep. and he was fired up after that. It was like I, I saw the caption made sense because he was like, "Fuck you guys!" I just <laughs> it did was it was a fuck you play. I mean, he stole a puck at the bottom of the circle, stick check, took it, roofed it short side on a pretty hard angle on Sergey Borowski. He was a great goaltender and. And he sellied, he gave uh, gave the fans a show in, in Florida. And his second goal in that Florida game, this was one where I, I saw the goal and I was like, huh, he's coming, he's a right shot, he's coming down the left wing. Um, the puck, he, he kind of beats the defenseman wide and then he kind of stops up short to get the shot off. And in so doing, you know, he gets the defenseman's stick in, you know, in his triangle. And he beats a goalie on the far side, right, mm. just above the pad. Yep. And my when I saw it, I just saw it, you know, maybe on the phone or whatever it was, I said, Interesting, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell how he tricked the goalie there, um, just with a quick shot going far side like that. And I was like, ah, you know, that's Bedard; he's going to do it. And then it wasn't until Monday night the GHL yeah. in the in the locker room, somebody was saying he hit that out of the air, and I saw another angle of it. In the process of him turning up and the defenseman getting his stick in his triangle, the defenseman actually tipped the puck up, and defenseman tipped the puck up in the air, 
And so Bedard didn't release it from the ice. The puck went up in the air, and Bedard shot it from about two inches off the ice. And that's what changed the angle and freaked out the goalie. And he happened to put it just above the pad inside the post on the far side. But, like, that was, like, in that absolute nanosecond, fraction of a nanosecond, his ability to kind of see that, recognize that, and just the, the, the skill, the hands, the speed, all of that at 90 miles an hour, right, or, like, the equivalent, it's – just just some special stuff and hey i mean it's good for every it's good for business across the board if bedard's the real deal and uh so far so good and yeah. like the thing that i think is the most exciting about this we knew the shot was going to play like everyone knew the shot was lethal you're seeing them score and make plays in tight spaces and that's how you win in this league it's about like those quick mm-hmm. plays like yeah the shot's great but like we all rag on Austin Matthews for this. He's got one of the best shots in the league. Come playoff time, you can't get it off that much. Yeah. And he hasn't shown the best ability or the Stanley Cup level ability to win in those tight areas. But Dard is showing, and obviously we're a long way off from that. You know, that discussion comes when it will come, you know. But uh, those tight plays and, and making plays when they're not there, when you mess up, that's what's going to separate them eventually. Anything else on the Hawks and the loose change? Because I've got a segue nine, from Bedard. Nine goals. Only one of them on the power play. Good. Yeah, five-on-five five goals are huge. And the no, hockey I know. IQ. I'm just telling you, if he, he, for a guy who's already on pace for for 70-something-plus points, it's you just know that no, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. I mean, like, Thank you for way, giving me the Hawks moment for a second. No, but I appreciate it. I mean, Bedard Valid should be talked change. about. And, like, also, we're talking about a guy. You bring up the on pace for it. If he hits his potential, he's – could be should be a 150-point player. Like, so, like, that's the level of player we're talking about yep. here. Like, I think people – are thinking about oh this is Austin Matthews Sco- scoring scoring going up right it's the right kind of generation to be a to be a big big time scorer and producer so so when he came in right we were talking about what his player comp is what kind of style of play it is is it is it like Patrick Kane is it like Austin Matthews he's not really McDavid it's not about the pure skating and speed um, and you know one I I had a chance to watch you know the Boston Montreal Saturday and Cole Caulfield uh, and I watched a little bit of the Habs and you know I. I, I really dislike them. You know that. Um, but Cole Caulfield is kind of like – like I think Cole Caulfield and Bedard are pretty pretty good comps, although I, you know Bedard's, I think, ceiling is much higher. But I, those two players and player types as far as getting the puck off, finding seams, um, finding ways to get open and doing other things. But I think that Bedard can take that to another level with mm-hmm. equal playmaking to the goal scoring. And um, my last point there on Caulfield and the, and the Habs – Bruins end up losing to Montreal Saturday night in Bell Center. Can I have a question real quick? Did the Bruins go out and party Friday night or whatever it was? Because apparently they uh, they got in. I don't know if I just it was a made-up tweet or whatever I saw, but apparently the Bruins got after and it was caused to a very sluggish performance in Montreal. That I if it was rookie party in Montreal Friday night, like I, that I'd love to hear that because they looked like it Saturday. They played like dog shit, and um, Swayman kept him in the game, who's been unbelievable. Um, Swayman keeps him around, but it's Bell Center. It's hockey night in Canada. It's a playoff atmosphere. 20,000 frogs screaming, doing their stupid fucking Olay chant. Up one goal, by the way. You're not allowed to do that unless you're up big. That's like a na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. Like, you don't do that. But they were fucking buzzing, and they think that their team's relevant for the first time in a long time, and they're wrong. Um, But my my takeaway from that, it it was same old Bruins. You know, same old Bruins. Playoff atmosphere, playoff Bruins. Jokey, lazy, lackluster. Um, they lose to a worse team. Um, completely outplayed. Goalie kept a minute, and then they end up losing in overtime. And 
Um, to me, I, I was getting flashbacks to the spring that night. But again, that's like you know one of three losses all year. They're still. No, I thought you were going to be happy about the result because the Bruins are off a, to too good of a start for you. Oh, he's being. You're right. No, no. So it's probably a good thing for you. Overall. But it was frustrating. <laughs> but it was frustrating to see some of the same, some of the exact same problems, like defensive zone. Like um, I don't want to say the R word, but defensive zone. Uh, let's just say mental lapses. Um, and guys like uh, guys like uh, Lindholm, who again. I think the future of the Bruins, it's going to be Lowry, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and they're going to ride that with goaltending, and they think that's the future of the next eight years of the Bruins, and that's a pretty freaking good – that's going to be in the playoffs every year. You're not going to be a loser with that. I get it. <laughs> and I, I need to be grateful for that. I need to be <laughs> – yes. that's pretty, that's pretty yes. fucking spectacular. But Lindholm, the way that Lindholm plays, I've talked about it, but the way that Lindholm plays, it's his patience and slowing things down. And when things speed up, he makes these terrible mistakes. And he was up to his old tricks. Carlo, like, doing everything right, being in the right position, and then just fumble-fucking the big-time play and giving up goals. And um, I don't know. I just It was a little PTSD-ish. Three losses on the campaign, two of them in overtime. God, I think you know. Yes, but just Mon- appreciate Mon- appreciate it. That's all I they, gotta say. They got they they got they got a bag skate after that Montreal game, and they deserve it. First of all, the schedule's ridiculous. They have more like five days off this week, which is preposterous. They have more time off than the teams going to Sweden. Anyway, um, <laughs> the goalies are keeping them in it, and the goalies are keeping them afloat. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's the end of my kind of little little Habs minute there about what I'm because you know McAvoy's still a little bit um, a little bit sloppy, but then. Wrapping up the loose change here, I just have a couple Buffalo notes from Tuesday night. Mm. Um, mm. Owen Power, uh, first goal of the game, Dan Heinen scores off a rebound. Owen Power's in front of the net, and he just has zero awareness that Dan Heinen's standing there. Zero, He's looking at the puck, and he's not tying up sticks. And, you know, he's, what, 20? Like, I, I get that there needs to be development there, but you can't be losing a puck battle in that front to Danton fucking Heinen, excuse me. But, like... Especially it, the size power has, too. Oh, my God. Like, it would be yeah. so easy if he just pulled his head out of his ass and played the man and played the stick, and then the Bruins just totally rolled them. Um, Dalene had a greasy, proactive reverse hit on Marshand, and objectively, I love that. Like, it was... It was, it was a great play. It was borderline interference, right? He hit him before he touched the puck. I, no, I, I, no, again, I'm not saying... I, I would have called it. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that it would at have all. Been a horrible call. I'm not saying that at all. But like, that's the edge that Darlene's game has, which I think is great. And quickly, I think as you're talking about Darlene and power, I think you've seen it finally as Darlene grew into his body, grew into his NHL size through the years of his development. I think power for a guy who's six six two eighteen. I think that's where you know. I think we're on year two of Owen Power, maybe three. No, it's year it's, two. It's it's going to take a little time. I mean, as totally. a guy that big, you just you got to adjust. I would just like this, like. I'd like to see a little bit more anchor yeah. in there. And I think that's what you're seeing from Darlene finally, and I think that's where it's, it, it's going to take a little time I to get Darlene's that gritty. always had a little edge on him. Though. Yeah, it's funny. I, like, I, don't... I'm not, I don't know, but like, and we, like Hedman is the one that, Ross, you always bring up, and I think it's a good comparison, how he took a while. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the, the pissed-off defenseman just pops out of nowhere. Maybe the better puck mover, the... The when you're from Mississauga, 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 Alberta, I think there's a little. No, Mississauga, Ontario, Ontario, Alberta, Ontario. It's no, AB. That's what it says, Alberta. <laughs> that could that's, be a fault on ESPN. This guy we'll better get out. a lot of shit for that. <laughs> Mississauga, Alberta. I don't think that's a place. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it would be kind of odd because I feel like it's named after like a tribe. And <laughs> he's gonna show you Ontario, but look up Mississauga, Alberta. 
I'll continue on. I'll, I'll, I'll research. <laughs> anyway, it says Ontario. Ontario. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a typo on ESPN. Oh, great job, ESPN. Yeah, just like you're putting the wrong fucking scores get, on the app. If you can't get Mississauga right, you're going to miss half the NHL. That's like a hotbed. Like, there's a junior team there. Like, the Ice Dogs, right? Huge, it, it's a Don huge Cherry used to own that team. Uh, anyway. Um, no, I get it. I get it, right? Patience with power. But, like, that's just, like, like just that's – I'm out on Buffalo. I'm just – I'm out on Buffalo. They looked like shit. Um, and they just kind of floating around, and I don't know. They got their asses kicked by the Bruins. They totally did, and it was just it wasn't a competitive game. I know it's early, and I know that there's like a, a lot of talent on that team, and you know I love Cousins and all these things, but like it, it just like Thompson, he's taken so far a step back, and now he's got he blocked nice a shot. Hurt, I think yeah. he's got a hand or a thumb, um, and you know Tuck and like the the whole. Uh, Tuck Skinner Thompson thing last year. It's it's they've struggled right now, and seeing that they're just in Devin Levy, La, Levi or Levy. It's been mostly the Yuka Beckin and well, they, they 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 yanked Levy. Um, yeah. at an interesting time actually. They were down five, and they they scored a goal to make it five one, and then they put in Yuka Beckin Lukanen. Thank you, Army. You've helped me with that. I think I'm good. Yuka Beckin Lukanen. They brought in Lukanen after making it five one. Which was interesting to me. Um, I wasn't ready to bet the money line because the Bruins don't lose in the regular season and Buffalo looked like shit. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I'm I think I'm proclaiming I'm putting my stake in the ground. Buffalo's done. They're not going to be a playoff team. So fair, fair point. And I think the the performance has, has shown that. I think as we talked about with the Eastern Conference, it's a little bit more up for grab grabs. I think they sit at 15 points. I think you're looking at 18 or 19 being the wild card card cutoff at this point right now. So yes, it's. It hasn't looked great. I think uh, you got to look at it and see. Ottawa's going to cuck them. I'm, I'm all in on the Sens. We talked about it. What about we, the Wings? What, no, I, the Wings are in front of them. The, the Canadians are in front of them. I, they've got a tough road. There is no question about it. I just think it's it's a road that hasn't been completely written off. And, you know, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the rumor train of Patrick Kane. You know, I think Buffalo is one of those teams in talks. But I think with their recent performances and now knowing that Tage Thompson is hitting the shelf, you got to think that Kane's probably not thinking Buffalo is an option anymore. It would be a horrible call. No, that's uh, yeah. You the roster think is oh, also the Kane news, right? Uh, Rangers are off the table. Rangers are off the table. That's Kane news. He, he met with Toronto, sounding like the first team. Like I said, he was training in Ontario, and it's classic Toronto. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Patrick Kane on that movement. One Final f- thoughts on loose change before we go to Alex. Final loose change on that on that uh, Bruin Sabers game. I've been pumping up Pavel Zaka. I think he's been the Bruins MVP so far outside of the goalies. First period on the rush, he goes again. This was on the rush, right? Like a little bit of a slowdown, and he rips a pass the entire length of the ice from outside the circle to outside the circle, and Pasternak one times at full speed, uh, like you know, right, right in the top corner. It was like one of the prettiest, most disgusting goals I've ever seen. It was like that old NHL 2006 one timer. Like not not like the recent ch- like the old school yep. square yep. shoot X's pass. Um, it was that filthy and it looked that easy, um, and that was one of the prettier one-timer setup plays I've ever seen, and I think it bears commentary. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there on that game for uh, anybody else has loose change. The other the only other game I've got is Yotes Stars. Caught the third period of that one last night. Yeah, I have a, I have a yeah. So on that note, Matt Duchesne looks great. I think he just needs a quick shout out. He looks fantastic. It almost looks like, like a at great times. Move. And part Low of this cheap. is the matchups, but it it looks like the best line on the team at times in games. And it's not. Um, 
but they've been off to a really hot start without Robo doing much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I, I believe in Robo. I, he's put up too many points last year for it to like expect him not to be good again this year. Um, so yeah, that team looks good. Harley did just go down. Pod favorite. So then they have to play uh, Hanley. So now they have to play Hanley, the the journeyman. Do Dumaine? Dumaine put him into the boards, I think. And Duhame in Minnesota. On Minnesota, yeah, Duhame, yeah. He's a scary head. Duhame's a tournament. Lindquist is now going to get his top four-minute opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, he's playing a lot. Shout out Paul. Yeah, no, Paulie's all over that. And I want to also give Paulie and the Stars faithful a big shout-out. The Stars, Stars fans in the uh, American Airlines building in Dallas, the presence of mind and the long memory. Every time Dumba touched the puck. They got him. It was impressive. Um, and as they're doing all of this, like, like, yeah, I'm sure Dumba's saying, I love it. You know, if you're getting booed, you're doing something right, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, um, Pavelski comes flying in and he moves the puck and Pavelski sticks an elbow out and just drops him. Not in the face or anything, like, like we're kind of right in the chest, but it was more of a shoulder, but, um, he got an open ice hit and dropped Dumba and the crowd went nuts because Dumba had the puck, they're booing. And then Pavelski comes flying in and like, I don't want to say buries him, but dropped him on his back, and the crowd went nuts. And that was uh, kind Love of a, kind of a cool moment going back to last postseason. We all remember. Continue on, Armor. A uh, couple other teams I want to point out before we get on before we leave the Stars Yotes. Yeah. <laughs> well, just M- Michelli ripped a gorgeous one timer to soccer. Michelli, I think we're all Michelli, Michelli looks really good. Looks it, very good. Zuccarello two I'm telling you. Um, also, before we leave the Stars, Wyatt Johnson. Another yeah, guy that Paulie right was on, and this guy, is, he's going to be a future star. It's he's just sometimes great. hard to see like what a player will become yeah. and see like what that version looks like, and we're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. And there's still more to grow, but he looks he looks great, and I think they're kind of limiting him. With he's only playing, playing with. 15, 16, sorry, 16, playing with 17. Playing like Ben and Daddy. Yeah. And I don't like that combo for like playmaking. They're kind of both plods. I like, no, no disrespect, but they don't move that well. Right. Um, Donna moves. Not that well right now. Daddy, I mean, well, compared Daddy. to Johnson, I mean, it just seems like he's the only player of his caliber on that line right now. And it's a credit to him. He's driving that line. He he's great. producing. He looks great. Um, Let's see. Really quick. Oh, God. Just a pathetic effort from Ryan Suter on one of the goals. Um, Lawson Kraus just went right around him, and it was it looked like beer league, uh, similar to that Shattenkirk play in the in the Boston game. Um, <laughs> the Dumba booze. Um Stars again dominating the the faceoff circle. That's part of why I liked them last year. But I'm sticking. I'm sticking with my. The stars have missed their 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 window. Yeah, I'm not with you. I'm that. sticking with that take. I don't think that they're tough enough because um, we saw our termites running around for Phoenix. Sorry, uh, Arizona. Um, and oh my God, Pavelski uh, almost almost almost. Um, almost ended this one in regulation as they're pressuring and the the damn coyotes right they 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 make this push they get that goal i just mentioned michelli de zuccarello and then they have a complete breakdown i couldn't tell if it was a line change but they have a complete breakdown and they leave sagan wide open at the far blue line he catches a seed comes in sick move to the backhand um ties the game goes to overtime and then 42 seconds in sagan again makes a great play on a two-on-one and gets a pass over to duchene who finished it 42 Mm -hmm. seconds in um so i mean Big for the stars if Sagan's getting his game back and starting to produce and, and, and kind of feeling it, like we talked about, healthy and, and matured in his role. But uh, those were my uh, kind of loose change notes from that Yotes stars third period. Yeah, I like it. A um, couple other teams. Uh, Blues, I, I really like Robert Thomas. He's sneaky, playing with Buchnevich. Yep. For some reason, Jack Edwards likes to say Buchnevich. 
and it's like he butchers it, and he just says it constantly. It's so frustrating, but I barely listen to Nesson, as you know. Yeah, but I, I like this that combo. I like. Um, I don't. I don't think this is a playoff team, but uh, I haven't watched a single Blues. I, no, just, Blues are Blues are owed a little watch. I watched them against the Lightning, and they. I, I, I've liked Robert Thomas for a while, but like every time I watch him, I like him. So like mm-hmm. the more the more games you can put on tape without really missing on my end is is just keeps boosting your stock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think they have a little excitement there. I, I don't know what their upside is. I don't see enough talent there. One team I do think has some talent, and they're showing it a little bit more is uh, Winnipeg Jets. Um, the obviously were horrible at the end of last year, but uh, this top line is getting going here, and Ehlers is getting going a little bit. Kyle Connor's been lighting the lamp a lot mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. Um, Shifley looks really. I think Shifley looks faster this year than last year. I, I don't know what. The there's a little is. more comfortability knowing he's staying, knowing he's there. I think. I, I get that, but he looks great. Like I, I've been very impressed by Shifley and Connor too. So. Morrissey, this is a potential points, playoff 14 team. I think. I think the Winnipeg Jets are a potential playoff team. I know better than to bet against you and the Jets. Yeah, and Helly's been good. Again, nothing. I'm asking for completion on this. Gosh darn slap! As I said, from okay, let's year. put it on. Let's put it on. Uh, we'll put it on the agenda for next. Needs spot. to be on the books. Needs yeah. to be on the books. That's all. But yeah, I think Winnipeg looks good and fun. And like mm-hmm. Kyle Connor and Shifley are both like pretty top tier forwards. Oh yeah. Um, not many teams have those. I, I think that goes under the radar a lot of times. Those like, are two, you know, I, I think Shifley's probably going to be on Team Canada. Well, it's tough. It, like, it's tough because of the time. I have but, to look at but it. But Kyle Connor is on Team USA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's probably the top two line. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. He beat one. For those kinds of countries, right, that's a huge statement of how mm-hmm. good the player is, more so than all-star appearances. Like, that. that's totally. a big deal. No, but it's, it's good, and when they're, when they're rolling, they can carry teams to wins. Like Side note: I'm just, I'm, I'm so frustrated. Dylan Tabello yeah, on this team, uh, he stepped into a decent role for this team. Uh, you know, it's been a charge of the the vets, and you know, I think you get consistent goaltending with you know the always consistent Connor Hellbuck. But he hasn't even been great to start the year. He hasn't been Hellbuck. He's yet. under a nine nine hundred save percentage. So yes, fair seven four and one for about almost three goals a game. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a it's an exciting start for Winnipeg fans that. Probably weren't expecting it, but uh, the depth has been there, and, and they're getting the scoring. I follow. I follow has been the better look than Velarde. I don't know if I would have said that, but I, I guess I haven't watched enough of those two. But uh, it, it's been fun stuff for the for the Winnipeg Jets. Final thoughts? Any? What else do you got? Yeah, I, I still take Velarde all day, but I hear you. No, I'm just uh, just the stats. <laughs> I it's all I'm telling. But final loose change thoughts? Or are you? Uh, it's kind of what I got. We we covered a lot of the teams that I've been. No, uh, this has been one of our better loose changes. I think we got into it and we talked about a, a good amount of the teams and you know another fun week in the national to to look forward to. Back to the to the tournament of the week to the woodshed to the uh, the Miles Wood show. What we saw last week, uh, the boys. I I, I I the prep wasn't there, so I'll take it. I'll take it on the chin. There might be some high criticism here. Last time, last time you gave that lead in, you dropped Liam O'Brien on us, big tuna. So. Oh, I, I guarantee you that your eyes. Are I, I be think you're up. sandbagging us on these, but Charlie McAvoy, see. best player on the, the termite squad. But I think this grittiness you're showing, you're seeing it. Uh, he's got a little piss and vinegar, and I think a little dirtiness to him that I didn't expect. I know it's a way too high premium of a player, and I know Ross thinks I'm missing the bag here, but I, uh, I like the dirtiness that we're seeing out of McAvoy. I think it's a little termitey. I don't even know what to say. It's just it's a top just, five defense in the NHL. I know, I know. It's, it's a miss on the concept. That's that's my problem here. 
I just I think you're seeing the dirtiness. I think you're seeing the physical. I think you're seeing a pissed off McAvoy that we have been seeing the last few years. I think he's seeing that the to- the clock is ticking. I love that you you guys like 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 Jack's remember like like we, we like to bust Jack's chops. Like Jack's hot button issue is like Patrick Kane's washed up. And like we say that and like Jack gets pissed. You guys think calling McAvoy dirty like gets under my skin? It really does. No, I'm not trying to get under your skin. I think he's got a little piss and vinegar that is termite. He totally does. He's 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 And yes, he is a top five defenseman, but I think it can't be ignored. You you saw it, you had a four game suspension this year uh you saw the little play on on tage thompson where he lifted the leg and potentially uh ended his knee but was, it doesn't seem to be the scenario but it wasn't a leg check it was like a tripping play a late second reaction kind of thing i just I, I, a two I, minute I, minor for tripping and i don't even think they he's, called it. he's on pace to pass a career high penalty minutes I, I think you're just seeing a different version of mcavoy than what we've seen in the years I know you think I missed the missed the uh, the program. He's just way too good. I get it. I get it. Like I think he's your number one player about, on this team. Last week we talked about like a, a good indication of termite: hearing their name a lot and having no contributions to the stat sheet. Right, <laughs> right. That is the traditional termite. If Correct. your face I'm, I'm changing you, the game. If your face is on a mural outside the stadium. You're not a termite. Like we love Miles, but like there aren't any there aren't any Miles Wood posters inside the Pepsi Center or whatever they call it. In not, yet. not yet. Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. And he's got five or six more years to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This and five more. But no, I know it's a it's a highly controversial uh, termite pick. And uh, well, like these said, are nominations, is, right? And, exactly. And, and we had a pre pod commitment. Um, Ross's homework for the Thanksgiving break. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get back and we're gonna have a, a, a dedicated termite segment. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do a, a side termite pod mm-hmm. um, where we're gonna bring we're gonna bring all the nominees from last season and this Pile season it together, and, and we're gonna start doing. We yeah, we're gonna you we're, know, we're gonna we do that. Make a roster for the All Star break. Ooh, yeah. love yeah, it, yeah. love we it. We can like make that. our all seriously. Lineup. Let the fancy boys talk about the fancy pants all stars. We're gonna focus on termites at the all star break. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I will say also, just as a quick anecdote, I actually went to the zoo today. Um, <laughs> free zoo in Chicago, pretty sweet. Correct. Sixty and sunny, so I took a little stroll. I went and saw a recreation of a termite mound, is what they call them, where the colony lives. Big mound. Uh, it was very insightful. It made me reflect on the pod, reflect on the termites. I was kind of hoping for not Charlie McAvoy for, to bring this up, but uh, we're here. But anyways, I'm just saying, it reinvigorated my termite love. Not that it ever wavered, but uh, it was cool to, to go to their, their roots, you know, or their mound, I guess. <laughs> the mound in the roots of the tree, of yeah. the shed. Um, no, it, maybe maybe we'll call the roster the mound. The mound. Well, that's where they live. So who's, I think the mound is... Who's going to make no, the, the mound? mound should be we call it the colony. The What's ma- the difference between a colony and a mound? Yeah, we're not... No, the mound is like because they build mounds in like earth instead of oh, getting... That's like, ants, they don't, bro. That's ants. So do ter- I went to the termite... Dude. Uh, who, who are you talking to here? This is uh, Steve, this is the Steve Irwin of termites. Do you want to see the photo? I sent it to everyone. We're going to get it up on our socials. Like the photo is pretty clear. It's a mound. So, well, yeah, that, that so, 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 into the display. Yes, I understand. Termite what you're mound. Got it. So the mound is the physical structure. Yeah. I think it's and the colony stadium. is like the locker room, right? So like Yeah. Now, interestingly <laughs> enough, the colony is the group. There is a king termite. A king, a king and a queen. And the king's only role is to to fertilize the queen. Oh, so he's doesn't like a stud. Have the power. He's like given, a stud. Are we given the K or the Q? Hold on. To hold Woody. On. No, Woody's Woody's the Q. Ooh, wait, hold on. Woody's the queen. Woody's, Woody's the, the queen. Woody's the Q. Woody has already been is Liam the K then? Well, we'll settle that we'll, in our we'll, termite pod. Yeah, to be now, determined. This is another very. Important I love the factor. king termite. He's just a stud. He's just a stud. It's all about his. It's all about his uh, love juice. But this is a big factor that I didn't think we've recognized yet. 
there are two types of non-king and queen termites. You have the soldiers that oh. are defense. They defend the mound. And you have the workers who build inside. So you have two types of termites, right? It's like, it's like the scout recon, and then you have, like, the engineers that, like, build the bridges and, and well, enable a, a real recon. military this is force. just straight up on the wall. You got the spears. They're, they're jabbing. They're like, don't yeah. climb our wall. Don't climb our wall. Termite of the week. Termite of the week. And they have bigger the, – the, they're actually genetically different, too. Like, the soldiers have pinchers, and, and there's workers, which are look different. More mandible, you know – limbs to help with the construction efforts yeah totally different yeah, group this is huge this is huge big intel. News, this big is news. huge for roster construction yeah. right i mean yeah. we need we gotta take need, into consideration we need our colony to have a diverse our group scout, of skills our scouts and who's I, our engineers so i did look also this could be a future uh maybe we'll do a clip or so a maybe clip. instead of forwards and defensemen we have soldiers and and uh and engineers i think we should yeah. what do they call the engineers workers, again? Con- workers. Soldiers, soldiers and workers, and workers. But what was cool I like about calling this, them engineers, though. Right, but I, I but I also love scrapping our whole forward defense model I and think going to soldiers, soldiers and workers. Yeah, don't separate the locker room. Like other than that, yeah, keep the group yeah. together. But keep we can actually together. go visit the zoo. Mm-hmm. It's not actual termites that live there, but it's a recreation of a mouth. Maybe we uh, it actually lets you go inside the mouth. Announce the all slot shot termite squad in front of the mound at the. Bro- I think we just uh, hop into the mound and talk. For I'll, a little I'll let you termites. get in there. I'll let you get in there. I'm going to stay from the side. I'll let you two go. T- okay. Fully you on board. Fill. Fully on board. Fill. Ross and I will hop in the mat. Uh, that is that is uh, Termite of the Week, the wood show, the woodshed, the colony, the, the, mound. the mound, as we've just learned. It's time for our final segment of the night, the Saturday picks. The boys have finally pieced one together and put a parlay that was win- winning uh, winning last week with uh, with a few picks, and so the parlay goes to one and five. After a tough start, the boys have recovered, hopefully. So, with that being said, Alex and I are four and one. Ross goes to two and three on his hunt to fact to five hundred. Alex, kick it off. Who's who's your pick for Saturday picks? Yeah, uh, we're gonna get hot here. It's just it's just puck luck. Shooting percentage is gonna come up here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go the New York Rangers crossing the river to New Jersey. That's right, the Hudson River. The Hudson, and they're gonna beat the rain, the Devils. It's going to be a very blue crowd there at the Rock. Good action, good money on that one. I like it. I hope there's good money, but I I'm not sure. I don't think any of the centers are going to be playing for New Jersey. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You got to think the Rangers are favorites there. I'm going to pick up on the the vibe that we started the podcast off of. I picked them last week. I'm going to stick there. Uh, the the Lightning look human and very human indeed, and that's why I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to go into Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida, and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I love that pick. It's a matinee, which can be a little tricky, um, but I, I very much like that pick. 4 p.m. Eastern game. Um, I'm looking at the lineup here, and I, I loved I loved Senators at home against the Wild. Then I realized the game's going to be in Sweden, so I'm going to stay away from that one. Um, looking at the lineup, and you know, a little bit of a surprise down there in our nation's capital in an election year. Um, I'm going to go with the Capitals beating the Blue Jackets at home um, in the Verizon Center. You know, um, I think the Caps have been playing well. I haven't watched a ton of them, um, but I saw enough of the Blue Jackets last night to uh, go against them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say Caps over Jackets. That's nice. a rusty Saturday pick. I like it. The parlay looking to go to two and five. A little knock on wood. That uh, that wraps up a phenomenal episode of Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. Uh, closing thoughts from the boys. Really stoked on our Nat Geo spotlight on uh, termites, and uh, shout out to Arm for for putting in the work and getting down there to the zoo for some for some real insight and uh, field reporting. Hey, you got the invite. 
We all did, but we don't need to go there. But um, there's more to come in that sense, and uh, really excited about the momentum that we're building. And hey, you know, it's it's another week down in the national um, schedule is going to light up around Thanksgiving, so we'll keep our listeners posted about the pod schedule. But uh, another good day with the boys, and uh, that's that's really all I got. What about you, Army? Yeah, I mean, I hope you guys all enjoyed listening. Check out our Instagram. I'm sure Sif will give uh, full details soon here in a sec. But uh, we're going to try to get some more quick content out for you guys. You know. Mm-hmm. And you can interact with us, comment, you know, have fun, give Off us your takes. DMs. I'll, I'll be, I'll be in the access. comments. Let's get greasy in there, you know. We're, we're, let's 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 muck it up. And on takes. that yeah. on that note, we uh, we have uh, we've started our own Instagram page. We've started our own YouTube channel. Uh, those will be very active in the upcoming uh, upcoming days. We'll have those out to you guys tomorrow on all platforms uh, that you catch Slotshot Podcast on. But give us a follow on Instagram at Slotshot Podcast. Uh, toss the YouTube channel a follow just under the Slot Shot Podcast name as well. Give the boys a follow at arm or at armdog underscore ss at Rusty Pedroia on Twitter. Give me a follow at Siffy Man. The Slot Shot Twitter will be in it's in works. It's in construction. It'll be there at some point. But lots of fun things happening at Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. Thanksgiving break is on uh, on the horizon. The NHL does take a few days. The boys may will have that scheduled to you guys here soon, but. If, uh, if this is our last one between now and Thanksgiving, we hope for our American listeners to have a happy Thanksgiving. And, and same to you boys, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the horizon.